Now, guys, I wanted to mention, you know how we've been doing this as a daily podcast since like March? Yeah. 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 And, you, and you guys have been sending me the files to upload and like edit and, and take care of it. Yeah. So yeah, cool sure. of you. Thank you, man. Thanks for that. Yeah. So I, I checked because I kind of just like upload and file and forget and it's that's the end of it. But I checked today and it looks like none of them went up. And it turns out I've actually been putting them in the trash can. Oh. Which I thought I thought that was the cloud icon, but it's, yeah, it's not. I got that confused too because I thought it was the upload bucket. Right. I thought everything you put in there went into the upload bucket, Wait. and then it got put up on the website. I'm, I'm I just want to for clarification: Are you saying the episodes where we talked about the world's best fashion, the mm-hmm. world's best music, um, the world's best songs? None of those made it. Yeah, it's I checked; none of them were up there. Um, I feel kind of bad about it because I know people were waiting for them. But uh-huh. no one really mentioned it, so I feel like uh, there's really no reason to ever release them, right? Mm. Well, the fact that nobody mentioned it says something about the size of our audience <laughs> and also says something about us for making an episode of The Vesties in 2018, <laughs> the year of our Lord AD. Oh, my. So Russ, are you a fucking idiot or what? <laughs> oh, man. It tra- it's a trash can didn't even look like the cloud. I'm sorry, but I'm pretty steamed, guys. I thought it was a Cirrus. Hey, I'm pretty steamed. <laughs> I'm gonna need a second over here to calm down. I'm steamed out. Wait, you so, know what uh, I think would so help? Down. You know what I think would help, Hoops? If we went back to basics and we just did an episode where we talk about the world's best games. Okay, let's do it. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best games of the year. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I think I know the best game of the year, maybe? My name is Chris Plant, and I am 100% certain I know the best game of the year. My name is Russ Rushing, and I know the best game of the week. That's right. We're back with the besties, where we explore the latest and greatest in pop culture, trivia, fashion, sports. Kanye. Ariana, Nikki, we follow them all mm-hmm. here on our uh, website, The Best of Hit Podcast, where we cover more topics like news you can use, video games, fast food trends, and tipping etiquette. But this week, we are going to really drill down on mm-hmm. video games. Folks, they have come... Such a long way since Pac-Man. I cannot tell you. My ne- my, my nephew Grivam was playing this thing. Have you guys seen? Okay, you know how there's two weeks, right? And we all call it two weeks. Yeah, totally. you know yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Right now they're calling it Fortnite, and they are crazy about something that has to do with two weeks of time. I saw this game that your nephew was playing, who I guess is my son, uh, the Fortnite game, and I saw him building like a uh, house made of wood and I thought this looks like a cute I thought it was maybe a licensed Bob Vila title mm. um, and then a, a clown came in on a jetpack and shot my nephew's son a hundred times. Did uh, he make him dance from a grenade? He then did the Carlton dance. Oh no. Um, yeah, oh. The, the 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 very litigious Carlton, I'm glad, is pursuing legal recompense because my nephew was very embarrassed and I was very frustrated. Yeah, um, finally. This is, this is the besties. Uh, we're going to talk about video games. I'm so proud to join 
from Fox's new darling, McElroy.family, or the McElroy family, uh, if you're not into URLs. Uh, glad here to join our Polygon brethren once again to talk about video games. Uh, I don't feel like I'm an expert anymore. I feel like I'm more of a casual no. at this point. Uh, but we're still going to do our best. I think I've played a lot of stuff that is that is good this year. Um, hey, before we get into honorable mentions, overall, just kind of like overall, 2018. Mm, weird you, one. What, weird one, right? Yeah, a it was little, a weird one. Last year, bag. I think last year, we. I remember throughout the year as we were recording, we kept remembering like, wow, there's a lot of bangers this year. Yeah, it is yeah. like month to month to month. Every single month had like a game of the year contender situation. And that is not to say that there were bad games that came out this year. There were many good games that I'll came out this year. I'll say there's bad games that came out this fucking year. Oh, well, there were also bad games. But but last year, I think, was one of those like seminal, like doesn't come around. You well, know, yeah. once, it comes around once a decade kind well, of year. Last years. year was Switch year, right? And so that like, right. that is already, you know, you're talking about yeah. a handful of like, bangers just just right there right, um exactly. everybody stepped in. you know what this year reminded me of it remind i feel like it, it wasn't just last year i feel like we were on a streak there of maybe four years that were like that where we broke outside of the only good games get released in october november december like that's what everybody saves it up for sure uh maybe there's some earlier in the year but really like that's the big show uh and this year while there were certainly some good like games that came out earlier in the year this was the first year i can remember that had just like dead zones like well yeah and a lot of the mainstays a lot of the like holiday titles ended up coming out and being like bad just kind of okay yeah we're in the the hold your best bets for the next generation territory right like yeah that sucks man years to make we're about two years away from the next generation you, you gotta hold your bets yeah but and there's like, usually like one or two like crazy end of generation releases that like just we'll probably still yeah, like we'll, last we'll, we can, we can still come out next year. Yeah, sure. I think I think what was missing for me was a lot of the um, <coughs> sort of surprise, uh, real buzzy games that people just sort sort of spontaneously started talking about. Um, there are a few on our list this year, but um, mainly like a lot of known quantities, mm. um, not just sequels, but like yes, this was highly anticipated and it was very good. Um, so like I think probably consistent from that <laughs> point of view, but. Uh, I don't know. Jerry Griffin made the point. I was I was looking at the list of of the ga- twelve main games we'll be discussing today, and I was telling Griffin like I don't know. This is a really great list. And Griffin pointed out like the problem is there's no number thirteen. There's not like a, a you know there's not ten other games that we could have put on this yeah, list to, where I feel like we could have achieved that previously. To wit, we created the list we have that we're going to be talking about these twelve games. Basically, we all just sort of listed out the games that we liked. The point was to make a top ten. Uh, I think Russ got there. I think Justin got there. I think Chris listed like forty five games because he's <laughs> he's like yeah, that. I think, I think y'all are like could not be further off base. That's, well, that's I, I just I wanted to say to finish my point. I I had nine and I just to to put a 10th game in there that I would put forward as like a potential contender for like game of the year or fuck it. Like a game that I felt like a very, very, you know, strong attraction to a game that I wanted to like champion. Like I couldn't think of the 10th, but that said, looking at these 12 games, six of them, I would be completely happy with winning game of the year. It is not like last year where it's like, okay, make up your mind between Zelda or Mario Odyssey. Like, or, the, yeah. you know, the years previous, I feel like it's been easy to guess what the the the, the winner is going to be. This year, like, yeah, maybe there weren't as many great games that I loved uh, that, that, that came out, but the ones that I loved, man, I am fucking buck wild for. Yeah, Plant, I wanted to ask you, so, so 
do you feel like this year was more because obviously like you put together and worked on the the top 50 for polygon mm-hmm. do you think this year had more uh, i would say niche games that were very good but would probably only appeal to specific types of people like yeah, a battle I think, tech. I think it's a few things i think last year there was 20 like a plus games right yeah and then after that there was a pretty sharp drop off um there's a lot of good stuff but drop off this year i feel like there are 40 like b plus games yeah maybe like one or two a plus um and I, I think that I, I think also you're right that, yeah, maybe it's a little more niche. I think there's a weird thing where certain types of games tend to get favored at year end where it's yeah. like heavy on story, heavy on cinematics, heavy on a certain type of gameplay. Those costume dramas. Yeah, I, I like we're not going to talk about Battletech today. And I think there is an <laughs> argument for us to talk about it. If any of us had like really given Here's it the, the time. Here's the thing. We're not dorks. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, to, to your point, like about there being two A plus games, like yeah, I, you look at like any compilation of what uh, other outlets and you know smaller blogs and bigger mainstream press uh, outlets are rewarding. It's it's like flip a coin, God of War or Red Dead, and I I think that the conversation is so much more interesting. Than that those are you know two g- games that we're definitely going to talk about today, and who knows they might they might win. Uh, I, I just I feel like the the good games were really good this year. There were just sort of fewer, like like you said, like a range games. Yeah. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts, and you get ripped off because they got all this fine print, little details, and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know. The contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans, there is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice easy solution save some put the bucks back in your pocket pay 15 bucks a month say bye to your overpriced wireless plans jaw-dropping monthly bills the unexpected overages sound familiar to get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month go to mintmobile.com besties that's mintmobile.com besties Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Should we uh, light speed through some honorable mentions? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, I'll, I'll go first if that's okay. I have, go for it. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> uh, t- I just wanted to hit two of the games that came out... Um, in December, which is like usually a complete dead zone, uh, these were timed with the release of, uh, I guess they were timed to the Video Game Awards, which were exceptional this year. I don't know if you guys watched them. Uh, that, that show has really come a very long way from something that Griff and I used to love to uh, lambast. Yeah, the, yeah, mercilessly. Uh, first is uh, Ashen, which mm. is I'm so of, surprised at how much people are liking that game, because I played it at, I think, E3 last yep. year, and it demoed horribly samesies uh it is really good it is 
here's the way I would describe it. It's like Dark Souls if Dark Souls had like any chill, like just any <laughs> chill whatsoever. <laughs> that is Ashen. It is when you go into uh, the so uh, okay, Dark Souls. The style is God. I'm so bad at talking about this. I'm glad I'm not Spooky. a professional anymore. No, it's not spooky. It's low, it's, it's low, it's, low poly, kind of like that. Um, oh, you mean the new uh, one? Yeah, yeah, or yeah, Ashen. You mean? I feel like almost like Shadow of the Colossus, that style of okay. game, like that art style. It's very beautiful. It reminds um, me of Absolver. It reminds me of Absolver, like the low poly count sort of sure. character. Sure, but it's a little more yeah. welcoming visually. Yeah, for than sure. Like it, Dark and Souls. musically, I mean, there like a lot of the music in when you're in like the sort of central town area is very chill, mm. very calming. Um, and you actually can't even have weapons in your in your central hub. Uh, and as you play through the game, this is sort of like, it's a fantasy, basically like world changing, a huge world changing event has, has happened and people are sort of digging out of the, the muck and mire and your home base of sorts has a lot of, uh, people in it and more people come back as you continue playing through the game and start living in your town. And almost, it seems like every time you come back they're rebuilding there's new structures new buildings to look at new new uh ways to spend your in-game currency that kind of thing and on, um, online people that you play with can move in too right like their character that's something i, I read i've not played the game but i remember hearing yeah, that it's and a, it was you know they, they handle it they handle it really interestingly um you they're the people that you meet will be your ai companion and one of them will come with you on a given mission and they'll like have your back and sort of seamlessly um they'll just sometimes you just realize that it's a real person um that the the other person is playing alongside you presumably you know for them you look like the companion but that is what is wh oh what is God. happening so it's like a dark souls turing test like you never know <laughs> At, very much so and like normally i'll notice like whoa they're kicking ass like oh okay they're oh, a real person oh thank neat. god that's cool because I actually am about to go fight a boss and i love it that i have like a real person with me right now because that will be uh, really helpful. So you're almost never alone, which is very un-Dark Souls, I would say. Uh, uh, obviously, there are ways to summon people in Dark Souls, sure. but you know, that, that sense of a companion, there are areas that you can't get to unless you offer to give someone a boost and then they lift you up. Uh, it takes two people to open the doors to dungeons. Army of two, thank God. With the army, army of two, two we'd be back. lost. Um, the, <laughs> from a gameplay perspective so far, it's like, it's, it's very Souls-like except for specific quests you are you are going on like specific quests mm. to go retrieve things or kill people or whatever like you have missions that you are going it's out not to the do. blind wandering of dark souls right yeah absolutely and it definitely rewards that i mean there's things to find and it's constantly trying to lure you off the critical path but uh it is it is very cool i've really been enjoying it it's it's it has fewer i would say rough edges than a souls mm. game uh, a little bit of that. If you like a little bit of that Souls jank, there's not as much of that here. Um, I've seen some weird AI pathing stuff, but nothing to write home about. Uh, but cool. Ashen is my first honorable mention. Um, that's cool. I wanted to mention another game. So weirdly enough, Ashen, I think Ashen is on Xbox, but if you're playing on PC, it's only on the Epic Game Store, right? Um, right. And, I think that's the case. For for and, a limited time. I think they're oh, Steam. They had thing? a Steam they still have like a Steam page, but now the release oh, date is like, uh, we'll see. Um another one that's like that is Hades, which I wanted to call out. Uh, I imagine Hades. that's Justin's second game. <laughs> it, it is. Please talk about Hades. So uh Hades was also announced and released at the um uh game awards this year. And it's made by the folks that did Bastion and Transistor and Pyre. 
super giant games whose games by and large I really, really enjoy. But I will personally admit that like Pyre, for example, and to a lesser extent, Transistor didn't click for me as much as Bastion did. Yeah. Um, and this feels very much like a return to form for them. Um, it's an action game. It's uh, set in the underworld of, I guess, ancient Greece uh, with, um, you know, gods and mythic beasts and stuff like that. And um, but control wise, it's like very, very sharp. I would say much sharper than even Bastion, which I thought was well controlled. Um, and um, it's a roguelike. So every time you uh, start a dungeon, you're uh, kind of starting from scratch. There's some progression elements. But what really stands out for this, uh, the art is just like so freaking gorgeous. They've always been like Supergiant has always been really, really good at pr- uh, presentation. So like voice acting and artwork. And this feels like the pinnacle, like the best they've done on that front. It just is just like a feast visually uh, really astounding. And it, and it plays great. Um, I, the best way I can describe it just in terms of the gameplay is sort of like Binding of Isaac meets like um, That's like else? God of War, like original yeah. God of War, where there's a lot of like roll out of the way, attack, roll out of the way, attack. Um, and it, but it, it's all played from like the classic, like isometric perspective. Um, it's terrific. I, I, I think it's pretty welcoming for a roguelike. I think a lot of people get scared off by the genre and I found this pretty welcoming and great and uh yeah, yeah you're almost always making progress in right. a given run um the thing that i thought was really neat about it is there's only like five weapons i think that you can choose right now uh but as you go through a run you get different blessings from mm-hmm. gods of olympus and they really change first off you usually get to choose between two or three uh but each one you pick really changes the way that you play or at least it, it should for example if you uh, a boon from Zeus might be that you can add lightning to your main attack, or uh, if you're playing with the shield weapon, uh, it has a throw ability. Each weapon has a special ability, and it can add lightning to that. Uh, and then you get a blessing from Hermes that lets your shield bounce around more times, or yeah. makes your dash uh, do damage to people. That kind of stuff. So, like you, at a certain point, I had a shield that bounced around four times and then hit people with lightning every time it bounced around and then also i was throwing magic that that bounced around the room and killed everybody but it was it like it really shapes the way that you play a given run and really i, th- I think helps it feel it fresh yeah all the weapons feel like very different almost like you're unlocking new characters each time you get a different weapon it's it, it really is uh like a total surprise did not expect it and uh really blew me away they also like turned up the hot protagonist style to like twenty four or something. Oh yeah, he's a hunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like. I, I'm not the first person to say this, but the decision to like skip the path to uh, fan art and just be like, no, do it ourselves. That is the the real the real art. <laughs> yeah. We're going for it. We are legitimizing our audience. Um, it's good. It's also great. Every time you go back to the main area, you have uh, people waiting for you there, like your dad, Hades. Uh, who does not want you to leave the underworld and just trolls you every time, which in a roguelike <laughs> is amazing. I mean, I've I've played through probably 15 runs, and he's had different ways to dunk on me every single time. <laughs> the, the most recently, he was complaining to Cerberus, my dog, about how I had abandoned him to take care of him. So Hades has to take care of Cerberus while I'm running around the underworld, and he was grousing about that. But there's really fun stuff like that, uh, which really helps to, like, make it feel like you're progressing even in a, a roguelike structure. Uh, speaking of hot protagonists, I wanted to bring up uh, one of one of my runners up, 
Uh, this was one we were actually considering for the list of 12, but uh, didn't make the cut because not enough of us had played it. It's uh, uh, Astro Bot Rescue Mission. Oh, now, yes. That protagonist is... Um, mm. whew, Round, round in all the right places. <laughs> also, I mean, you're kind of a, you are kind of part of the game in that game. You are kind of a protagonist, so that may have been just me sort of tooting my, tooting my own horn. It is a PlayStation <laughs> VR game that is extremely good and is among my top 10 favorite games of the year, which, uh, I don't know, I, if you had told me back in January or even fucking October, I would have called you a, a liar to your face. Um, the best way that I have seen sort of the importance of Astrobot Rescue Mission described is uh, just as Ape Escape kind of proved the value of the um, the two the two sticks the dual, the dual shot controller. It sort of established why that was necessary for you know different types of games as they evolve to move forward. Uh, Astrobot does that for. Uh, VR, and so in that sense, it is it is sort of a a seminal game. Unfortunately, it's coming in you know kind of late in the current place the the current VR life cycle that we find ourselves in. Uh, it is a 3D platformer where uh, you are using you, you use a DualShock controller and you control uh, an Astrobot, which I think we're in the yeah they were in the demo disc. Yeah, they were in the demo disc for the uh, PlayStation VR. They were kind of sort of the mascot, I guess, for for that stuff. They were in that little demo where you could like. Uh, you know, control a bunch of the little robots at once, I think and they it was would just go the inside. Eye toy. I think it was even before. Oh or shit! The, uh, you're PlayStation right. Eye. Yeah, it was even before the VR. Was it yeah, you're right. Playroom. Playroom. Playroom yeah. That's right. Uh, there was also a VR, you know, thing with them also. But now this is like a fully fledged game. So it is a a, a platformer that uh, you know you're controlling this character with the sticks, and there's nothing too like wild about the platforming you can jump uh your double jump actually like shoots a laser out of your feet so you have to like use that to you know kill a spiky enemy that you couldn't jump on or punch normally uh you know there's there's tight ropes you can walk on and bounce off of there's like there's there's enough sort of like platforming stuff to make it interesting uh and in doing so it kind of avoids what lucky's tail sort of the, the pitfall it fell into where it was super fucking boring and so it yeah. wasn't interesting to <laughs> play that game in vr at all at least this one like you're playing it in vr you have this sort of omniscient overhead view uh but the platforming is is pretty pretty good uh what makes the game cool is that you are also in the game uh and by which i mean like your uh footprint in this world is you control this huge flying robot that kind of follows behind the astrobot kind of like a giant locky tube kind of like a giant locky tube uh except like you have you can have effects on the world so first of all uh, pretty much every level has like these platforming challenges but you're trying to find other astrobots that have been uh marooned on, in, in all these different levels and so you literally have to you know move around in your chair and like look down in pits to see if maybe mm-hmm. there's like a hidden hidden one there so you're constantly having to sort of like solve the puzzle of finding those astrobots which makes up sort of the main hook of of the game and it's fun like it's, it, it is genuinely an enjoyable uh addition onto this like general platforming thing the other thing is like sometimes you have to headbutt a wall right. to make it explode so the astrobot right. can run through it or uh, you have to use your controller like a hose and then you're shooting water up you can shoot it straight up in the air and look up and get it like on your visor and now you have water on your visor there's enemies that will shoot ink at you and cover your uh, your field of vision with ink um there are so many ways of making you a physical member of of the game that makes it one of like the most 
immersive and that word can mean like a lot of different things for vr uh echo i forget what get what the game was i think i brought it last year it was the oculus rift like you were a robot last pushing yourself echo? lost echo, oh, lost yeah, echo. Lost something, echo something yeah. like that uh that game is fantastic and immersive because like you feel like this robot in this world and this one well shit you feel like a robot in this world and there's so many fun interactions that you can do like uh, anytime you find like a new power up and you think like you get a grappling hook and you're like, what happens if I shoot my rescue bot with that? My, my astro bot with that, you can shoot him and he gets frustrated. Yeah. Like it, there's everything that you can do in this game. Uh, they have like figured out a way to, 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 you know, solve it in, in the game, which really just makes you feel like a part of this world. Um, I was not expecting much. I knew people were talking big, big words, talking big words, you know, Justin and I have really been out of the industry for too long, but um, <laughs> talk, talking, talking up this game and I didn't really get it until I played it and it's it is fantastic it's it is. really the closest i've seen sony to, sony get to like making a nintendo style game yeah and doing it to nintendo like levels of quality like sony does their types of games very well but they when they try to do kids games or family friendly games i should say generally doesn't reach quite get, the level you get knacked you get a little bit knacked uh this is really spectacular i love the perspective stuff that griffin was like being able to peer around a corner to like get a better perspective on a jump or dodging like an enemy projectile like they'll shatter your screen if you get hit in the head so you literally have to like lean to the side to avoid it yeah it's there's so much physical interaction that's great um Uh, also destiny oh sorry i was was gonna do two little superlatives to build off this uh of best surprises of the year uh vr being saved or kept on life support ah, by PlayStation. Saved or kept. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is because the amount of investment that's going to be into it means it's going for at least another three years. So sure, it worked. It's it saved in that. They not could've... not in the way that we see it now. Like they're definitely going to be investing in like trying to make it stand standalone and good like standalone yeah. and reason like you know almost as good as yeah. rift or psvr is the, the um, success of psvr in the past year and a half has been enough that sony is going to invest in it more um, yeah which is wild that like uh, i mean the, the question like, do they do they invest in it will it be backwards compatible with ps5 or whatever like that's that for me that's the big question if they're if they're working on that shit like is is VR going to be a, any consideration for it? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, overall, the fact that it seemed like PSVR would be the loser, or at least the first to go of this war, um, and that it's not just a novelty uh, like PlayStation Move was before it, that's surprising. And then the, yeah. I guess the other big surprise on the, the Xbox side is Xbox Game Pass being yeah. the biggest thing Microsoft has done uh maybe of the, at least to this generation but maybe since xbox live in terms of a yeah. platform ashen uh, i think it's on it right i believe i, think, I mean they I have think hundreds of games on it yeah um it is just huge it hit four million subscribers it's like targeting just an absurd number next year uh and both of them seem like things that most people don't talk about which is also weird that these two kind of things are happening simultaneously and largely go unnoticed yeah um, I also wanted to talk about Destiny. Well, I don't want to talk about Destiny 2 Forsaken, but it was it was good. It fixed the game. I played that game a lot and then stopped because I'd spent a lot of time playing it. But it, it, I wanted to give kudos to it because they fixed a lot of shit that I did not like uh, about Vanilla D2. Um, yeah, it's good again. I was able to actually start from scratch on PC, and it wasn't a miserable experience uh, having to like rebuild from nothing, um, whereas I didn't think I was ever going to do that ever. So, yeah. Yeah. Play Destiny. Should we get into it? Wait, yeah, it. wait. You can't just oh, wait. do that. What? 
I didn't even get my thing. Oh, oh. I thought your thing was those two things, but no. I guess not. My thing okay. is Prey Moon Crash, a game that nobody oh. respects because it's a masterpiece and you don't like good games. But that's okay. We'll get to that <laughs> yeah. later in the episode. Prey Moon Crash <laughs> is a masterpiece. It is, if you played Prey last year and you're like, you know what I don't like about Immersive Sims is how I am motivated to never use my best abilities. Uh, and also, wow, this seems like it might be a lot of money focused on a thing I only play once or twice through. Then here is a game for you. It is a roguelike in the Prey universe, there are I believe it's five different uh, characters, each with different power trees or ability trees, and your goal is to get all five of them off of a moon base uh, with all the Prey mimics, the monsters in the original one, in play. Uh, each round gets increasingly difficult. Uh, you collect resources. What you drop or what you don't collect remain for the person behind you. Uh, and you, you have to play through multiple times just to kind of build up that tree and learn how to play. Um, but what I really dig about it is it's the closest I've seen to uh, Ken Levine after all the Bioshock stuff did all the talk of narrative Legos, of how do you make an immersive sim or one of these types of games where the storytelling happens on its own. And I think it's the closest I've seen to a AAA game capture the kind of um, surprise storytelling of a game like Spelunky, where mm -hmm. the events that happen to you become the story in a really compelling way. Um, that said, it's incredibly difficult, and I think uh, the, the kind of grind of the skill tree is what scared a lot of people away, I think including everybody who tried it in this room. Is that right? <laughs> I, played it. I will tell you what, what scared me away. You do yours, um, then I'll do mine. Yeah, okay. I, have an, so I have one too. Fine. What scared me away, even though I like it conceptually, because I like the idea of a roguelike that uses like the Bioshock or, uh, you know, uh, looking glass model of gameplay. What scared me away is that what I like about roguelikes is that it's constantly me reacting to the given situation that I'm that's in front of me right right at this moment. Whereas this structure actually requires that you kind of plan like 16 steps in advance and and some of those plans go awry, granted, but like the stress of like, okay, I'm gonna do a run and then I'm gonna switch to this character and this character is gonna use this ability and this character, like there was just like a lot to keep track of. Whereas I prefer like the next five minutes being the only thing I have to worry about and whether I can survive through that and then moving on. So that was what did it for me. Let's go down I, the line. <laughs> I just think Prey feels bad to play. <laughs> That's really okay. it. Okay. I, I do not like the feel of that game. Justin, not have anything. Sorry, I got a nosebleed. Oh my, oh god. my god, was it Just talking about, about this prey. game? It was Just too much, too many, prey. too much games. It, it. <laughs> this, see, I'm not a pro anymore. Yeah. Well, should we start talking well, <laughs> with that? Well, I'll put a bow on that. And what I'll say is, I think it, I think it preys on people like a fresh dick. Where if you try to beat it all in one go, it will drive you nuts. Um. It's definitely, I mean, in some ways, I think, again, it's like Spelunky in that you have to kind of find that inner zen with not beating it for a long time. Yeah, um, but and Dead, just Dead, Dead Cells was like that, too. And I, I played well, through Dead Cells a Dead ton Cells of Dead Cells is just a grind it and then eventually you beat it. I enjoy no, Dead false. Cells, but you ha that it is, is not true. you have to grind and grind and grind and Did grind you beat grind. it? Yeah, I, I got to the it's... final boss and then I realized, oh, there's no way to beat this until I hit a certain threshold. No, I don't know. You have to unlock all the powers. Did you beat it with? Uh, do you think you could beat it? In, no, in you need to unlock all the powers. The game gets short, harder the as you unlock. Okay, grinding, grinding, grind. Anyway, um, we can't anyway, 
Framelink Crash, it's, I, I want to get one more point in here because I think it's, it's really valuable about this game and it's what separates it from everything that we're going to talk about is there was a huge conversation this year about the ethics of AAA game development. Uh, things like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, where it's just the, the way to make more game is to just make more game. Um, and I think there's something really compelling about a thing like Prey Moon Crash that gets the vibe of a AAA game, but approaches it with a genre and an idea that doesn't require the answer to be, hey, we need to throw more bodies at this. Yeah. Um, and I think PT was another example of that, of what happens when the answer is to actually get smaller and like master the craft and come up with an idea that is so inherently compelling that you don't just have to keep grafting more stuff onto it because that's what, you know, being AAA means. I think it's mm-hmm. incredible that this, that this game exists. Like I, I, it is, it is staggering to me, uh, especially after playing it, that, that this, this AAA game studio made this very, very weird uh, you know, cool, cool game. Uh, I, 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 I just wasn't. It wasn't for me, but I, I super appreciate the fact that, especially in a year where there were a lot of games that followed a different, a different ethical path, and I'm sure we're probably going to talk about that over the next three fucking hours. Justin, are you okay? Justin, you doing yeah. all right, bud? Yeah, I'm absolutely fine. I'm okay. absolutely fine. Um, I, I, uh, I think I just because uh, I kind of made an offhanded comment about it. I just want to say I think that this would be absolutely rewarding experience to spend time with there was just too much else going on and i found my frustration level uh rose too quickly uh with to keep sort of stick with it but it's yeah for sure uh okay round one uh are we just doing these four games pitted against each other in a sort of uh if you will battle royale yeah so we have 12 games (laughs) we're gonna do three rounds with each of us sort of repping one game i don't necessarily think that means that like that's the pony we you know, think should win as much as it is like we feel enthusiastic about these games as individuals and want to like put a case forward. And I think just after we decide those three rounds, we'll, we'll put the three winners against each other for the, for the goatee. Um, I think, I think Russ and I had talked about it being kind of just like three mini episodes of the besties. And then, uh, instead of doing the fucking what three round structure, where by the time we reach the third round, we literally have nothing else to say (laughs) about super Mario Odyssey. Um, yeah, this seems a little smarter. So, uh, who wants to start round one? Mm, uh, round one's weird for me because the game that I'm repping is not necessarily, as you said, the game, not necessarily the game that I would pick, but it is a game that I really liked. Oh, you so want to switch? Just... We can switch on the fly. I'll do okay, your game. Okay, we're going to switch on the fly. All right, Great. cool. Uh, okay, Russ, the... Russ, do my game. So, your game was Hollow Knight, um, which is my personal Game of the year 2018. And 17. Now, <laughs> and 17. Now, now, smart people at home will know that Hollow Knight originally released on the PC in 2017, and um, literally no one at Polygon played it because it was not on our, I think, top 50 list. It was really kind of an embarrassing mistake. It happens. These things happen. Um, but I'm really, really glad that we rectified it uh i think it fell in at like number 11 or something this year straight up i did not play it because of the art style i thought it was okay. for lack of a better term like i thought it was sort of that goth style sure, game yeah. like uh i like salt and sanctuary a lot but like that art style does yeah. nothing for me yeah and i and i think um being for me at least being on pc uh scared me away i am not generally playing a ton of games on pc that like take me dozens and dozens of hours to get through 
um, let alone like really tough games that require platforming and fight. Like it's just not the sort of games I like playing on PC. So with its arrival on the Switch, which happened uh, during E3 of this year, I was pretty pumped because I'd heard you know everyone loved it, but I hadn't touched it yet. And it just for about a month after its release, totally sucked in every moment of of my spare time. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of the Metroidvania style of game, um, and I've played every single one that I could get my hands on, from Simpsons of the Night to Super Metroid to you name it, and um, this is my favorite of all of those, without a doubt. And I need to clear my throat so someone can talk briefly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a it's, good, 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 good. It's a fucking good, great good, game. good. Are you done? Good, good. Yeah, good yeah, game. I'm good. Okay, thank you. So um, I just want to talk real quick about some of the things that I think it does really, really well. Um, for one thing exploration so one of the big things about metroidvanias that i really love and doesn't happen very often because it's very tough to do is uh you constantly feel like this world that you're in is much bigger than you initially thought so it's constantly like kind of unveiling itself to you the most recent modern example would be games like bloodborne or dark souls where you are dropped in this world and you're like oh that's pretty small and then you realize oh the elevator from the church yeah. connects to the front thing um it's exceptionally impressive that they were able to do this in a 2D game, which is all hand-drawn, um, and it was essentially made by two people with, like, additional help outside, but, like, effectively two people made this game. And um, it, it, the world just, like, constantly surprises you with these, like, shock shockingly large, interesting environments that, like, totally change up the look and feel and enemy types and everything like that. I, I, so that I also want to jump in and say, because I did, I, it sounded like I knocked the art style. Like, once I got into it, that yeah. art style, like, lends itself to what I, my favorite thing about the game, which is just, like, the tone. I cannot think yeah. of a video game maybe that has ever come out, and I would stand by that, that has established such a, like, cohesive and mm -hmm. interesting tone that like yeah. kept me playing uh I, I think it works really well yeah i think the issue is that the opening area is literally like mist and smoke and yeah. you wear a dark cloak in the very first area but very quickly things uh get a lot more visually varied but like the levels where you are just going through like tunnels carved by these killer worms and it's pitch black and you're just right. trying not to die like being in those areas scared the shit out of me more than like any horror game i played this yeah. year i um I I, I I want I bounced off this game pretty hard, and I, I I will say that an issue that I have with it, and I I'm, I'm sure it gets very fantastic. I trust all of you, but on Switch it actually hurt that I could pick it up and put it down whenever I wanted, and you have to unlock the maps, and I couldn't remember where I was in a humongous world that all looks pretty much identical, um, and having to relearn my mental map for this game every when I would come back through it after two weeks was yeah. absolutely maddening. And I, it's like, I really wish there was an option just to turn on the map solution. Yeah. It sucks. Cause you can do that in like five minutes. If you know it how really to do it, you can do it in five minutes. In but if you, if you don't know how to do it, like Chris said, I, I, I wandered around for an hour, like not yeah. knowing what the fuck was I, going on and, and you, saying like, wow, this game sucks. You can, unlock all of the maps or you can unlock a part no, of the map you can unlock what you're looking for was the like indicator of where you are on the map did you did you get that i think i have that but large parts of the map are still just blacked out yeah, yeah. i mean it, it, I, I think a lot of the game yeah you need to have the patience this is one of the few games i don't do this very often maybe like once or twice a year 
where I play one of these types of games without any help whatsoever. Um, and I had—I mean, I'm really glad that I did because the game is playable and beatable in the same way that like Zelda Breath of the Wild is playable and beatable without a guide. Um, but it, you need that level of like patience and knowledge that like, oh, this is your kind of game. You're going to spend you yeah, know, a ton I, of time figuring it out. I think this was also the year that I just couldn't play that game. Like, yeah, <laughs> having, yeah, sure. Uh, having new baby, I, I, I need I needed games that effectively let me come back to them when I right. could. And I also it, have the luxury of like a, a commute, for example. Yeah. yeah. So like sitting on a train for two hours, this is like a dream uh, uh, game to play. We also haven't we, haven't we haven't talked even like touched on like mechanically, like the oh, yeah. economy of the game, the progression of the game is so fucking compelling and makes you want to like look in every corner just to get every like advantage that you can because it's also a really hard game at points. Uh, but it feels, you know, mostly fair because the controls are so tight. Like yeah. combat in that game is so good. Uh, and 60 frames a second for it, even in handheld switch, which is like a real accomplishment and very tough to do that they nailed. And there's there's fights in that game where you feel like... Um, uh, I'm I'm remembering one that's like a like this big badass like cricket. Oh, by the way, it's all bugs. Is that which is very very cool? Right. Like there's this big badass like cricket or locust or ma- oh, it was a mantis that you fight like at the top of this tower, and it is it, man, you feel like an Olympic fencer. Like you just mm-hmm. have to be pitch perfect, kind of in a soulsy way of you know. There's not much wiggle room here. You just have to be perfect for a couple minutes. Yeah. Uh, that is, but it, it's fair because it just feels great. It feels yeah. so good. Very cool character customization thing. The last thing I wanted to mention about this um, is the story. So the story is very Dark Souls in the sense that, like, when I beat the game, I had no idea about like eighty percent of what was going on in the story. You get these like cryptic dialogue pieces from people. You kind of think you're kind of understanding the vague outlines of it. And then after I beat the game, I went and uh, watched like a 40 minute lore explainer on YouTube. And it was like this like thing opened up to me. And granted, I'm not saying that that should be every game where you need a lore explainer, but the level of thought that was put in and then being able to like go back after the fact and say like, oh, wow, that's why he was saying this or that's why this was here. That's, you know, this interesting background art um, all ties into this like, like on the level of like star warsian level of like world creation it's very intense and thought that was put into this lore it um, also does like character arcs really well like yeah. um like seeing a character in one area and then watching their storyline uh develop i mean fuck i i know this is like the most rote game critic shit ever but i'm out of the industry now but like it is very <laughs> souls like like finding that zig siegfried yeah. of catalina uh you know sitting in front of uh the zen's fortress and then you know seeing him a bit later on and oh no now he's like possessed like that this game does that thing and it does it really well i think it's better than dark souls personally i realize that people disagree but ah, i cha, think it, it is a better game than dark souls or bloodborne or any other metroidvania you can name uh okay okay Next, is should I do Russ's? I talk about yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do Russ's game? game. Yeah, so Russ's uh, game for this round is Into the Breach, uh, which is a strategy game. I, but I think it could probably be uh, more succinctly kind of wrapped up as like a digital tabletop game, or perhaps like well, wow, that sounds chess, very boring. Chess it's with how about mech, it's mech a chess? Game, not a strategy. It's a tactics game. That's okay. that's a good. It's a tactics game. Um, 
in this game, it is uh, by the creators of, of FTL, um, another sort of game about making uh, painstaking decisions uh, about you know, sacrifice for the greater good uh, into the breach sort of boils that down into every single moment of gameplay. Uh, You control a squad of mechs and the mechs have different sort of uh, purposes. There can be like an artillery mech that fires missiles from long distances and uh, a brute mech that can, you know, charge in with a rocket powered punch uh, and a gunner mech that can, you know, shoot two blasts uh, in either direction uh, and using your team of mechs, uh, which you can upgrade and and give new equipment to sort of change their functionality on the field, uh, you have to either defeat or delay or otherwise thwart a a team of uh, aliens that I called, what are they called? The Vex? No, the Vec. Vec. Um, And so this takes place in an isometric sort of chessboard-like field uh, where you will see, you know, human buildings and uh, human sort of industrial uh, places like uh, power stations or a train that cuts across the map. Um, And using your team of mechs, you have to stop the Vec from destroying human installations. Uh, Every time they do, it knocks down some of your power, uh, which is a sort of... Uh, meter that carries over mission to mission. Uh, you can increase it by doing well in missions, but every time a building is destroyed, you lose power. If you lose all your power, uh, the timeline collapses. And then at that point, if you have any surviving pilots of your mechs, you can bring them forward to your next game. So that it, it is it is roguelike somewhat, but you have this sort of ongoing progression hook where you can you know keep a, a pilot going and, and increasing in uh, ability uh, from, from one game to the other. It is a small leg up, but it can prove to be a very, very valuable one. Um, it is, man, I was talking to, uh, I forget who I was talking to about it. Um, oh, I was talking to one of my friends at, at, at like a holiday party uh, about the game. Um, I made it to the very final mission and I spent literally, not a joke, one day, not like, <laughs> not like 24 hours, right? Not like I wasn't spending every waking up, but, but when I turned on my you know computer and turned on the game when I had free time, I spent an entire day on one turn because there's <laughs> you you convince yourselves you, you convince yourself like okay this alien is going to attack this building it, it, it's all about sort of preventing what is just about to happen so the aliens sort of show their hand like what they're about to do so there could be like a um a clawed alien that's going to just like run up on a building and slash it so on your turn you can run up with, with your punching robot and punch it not enough to kill it but just enough to push it out of the way of that building so that when the turns uh move forward uh you know maybe maybe they'll miss maybe you can push them on top of a spawn point for another alien that's going to come in next round Maybe you can push them into the path of another alien's attack, which prevents a building being destroyed and does damage. You're you're trying to figure out how much, like, to use, like, Hearthstone terminology, like, how much tempo you can generate by canceling out, using your very limited moves to cancel out, uh, not just cancel out enemy moves, but prevent them from, you know, gaining an advantage in the following turn. And so it is painstaking. You have to really, really, really read every situation uh, to the best of your ability, trying to find every advantage you can eat out of it trying to find every bit of like uh damage control you you can do in each round and 
that that's like the general idea of the game and then it sort of expands out with the the different alien types and what they do the different mission types sometimes uh you have to for instance missions that have a train you can't let that train take any damage and it's moving and if anything stops on the train tracks and the train runs into it explodes sometimes you have to prevent these tanks from getting blown up but they don't function the first turn so you have to defend them until they come online and then you can use them for offensive purposes uh the different like abilities that the mechs have are fucking wild like there's an artillery unit that doesn't shoot you know harmful rounds it shoots shields that you can use to cover up a building so you know that negates the damage or you can cover up one of your friendly mechs you you have to figure out how to do all of these things every single turn of every single mission uh and it makes you feel like a fucking super genius when you pull it off um it is it is for me like it is the cleverest uh, it is one of the cleverest like tactics games I've ever played, and it's certainly the probably the most I've ever spent playing a uh, a tactics game because I think it just it distills down everything that, that is great about that genre into this like super um, comprehensible like super digestible gameplay loop that I think is just absolutely brilliant. Also, it's out on Switch now too, which is fantastic. I don't think you can overstate for me. I'm not somebody who who's ever wrapped their head around a tactics game. Uh, that they really liked, but I don't think you can overstate the value of like seeing your actions. Like there is something that is that that really helps to congeal it in your head when you see like okay, when you do this, here's exactly what's going to happen. Are you sure you want to do that? Because it seems like it's going to go so bad for you. <laughs> uh, and it, it is really helpful to be able to see that stuff. And I and I love this game. I I played endless endless hours of it. it is, I think it is brilliant. Yeah, yeah and there's I, no there's no percentage like it eliminates chance like to that point. Yes, there's not right, like you right. have a fifty percent chance that you you will hit it. You will hit it. You will move it. There's nothing unfair about it. It's just are you are you are you doing everything? Are you sure? Are you yeah. doing everything you can with this turn? It's not enough to just block them for this turn. There will be more aliens next turn. Can you do anything else to get an advantage? And I think yep. what what the other thing I really like about it, contrary to like what I was saying earlier about. Um, uh, moon crash is that the the problems ahead of you granted that you are making decisions that will impact later on but by and large you can't fully stress about them beyond like can i minimize the possible damage that i'm gonna take on this term for the future but by and large the problems ahead of you are problems that are only going to exist for the next three turns yeah so those turns are so crucial and then once they're gone they're gone you don't have to worry about them anymore you're not stressing about like where am i going to be 15 turns from now which is obviously like a lot of tactics games or chess um where you just get super overwhelmed by your options here there are only like a handful of variables um and whether you can just maximize those it's so good it's so good on switch it's such a perfect fit on switch the controls uh, feel excellent with a controller, which is really surprising for a game that is about moving a cursor, but they did an excellent job with the Switch controls. Um, it is really spectacular, and... Um, it came uh, out yeah. early in the year, too. So this this is one of, like, the six games that, like, if it's game of the year, that's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, it came out in, I think, February, February I think. Yeah. and then I was like, well, shit, this could be it. This could be game of the year, and it's only February. It's um, also become the game that I recommend to people who don't play a lot of games, but bought a yeah. Switch when they came out. Um, yeah. the people who, like, played Breath of the Wild and are now like, well, I don't love Mario, and I don't really know why I bought this. Um, uh, Griff and I have a friend who has become obsessed with this overworked trips because it is it is the game of this year that you can you know, play for 15 minutes or 
play for four hours yeah. um, and feel just as good both it's cases. Good, good podcast game, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah good. Right. good I, li- li- I listened to the entire uh, uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern back catalog while I played into the room. <laughs> um, let's talk about Celeste, a action platformer by Chris Plant. You oh, made I, that game? I made the game? Wow, good, good work. Good work, man. That's a good Congratulations, game. Congratulations, dude. Oh, no big deal. No big deal. Um, Celeste is an action platformer made by Matt Thorson uh, and uh, the crew at Matt Makes Games. You might know them as the people who made Towerfall, uh, which won our first besties. Is that right? Or, I don't think it won. I, no, I don't think it won, and you guys regretted the decision that it yeah, won. Wow. Yeah, well, because you what guys brought the, the fucking oh, Ouya version or something like that. We weren't about to name an Ouya game the fucking number one game of the year. This game, this show still means something to people, Russ. Keep, crank, yeah. keep cranking, I'll get it. I think it was Army of Two was the winner. Challenging there. question. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, so, basically, it it's Towerfall without the combat. Uh, they took the jump system of Towerfall, that kind of dashy jump, uh, and made it into a massacre platformer in the line of Super Meat Boy. Uh, the big difference, though, is it's extremely friendly. It's friendly in that it doesn't move quite at that pace that Meat Boy does. Uh, the characters are bigger. The worlds are, I think, a little more readable, if that makes sense. You, you yeah, like colorful clear, and nice, like nice looking. Yeah, but specifically, as well. I mean, the puzzle, yeah. when you look at it, you... you Get what you need to solve. Yeah. Um, and, and it's waiting for you to figure that out. Uh, Brian, um, Brian David Gilbert just put up uh, a Polygon video about how this game makes you better at all games and teaches you, you know, skill and knowledge. Like, it's a, it's a very good video that yeah, I think explains a lot of the strengths. Climbing, yeah, sure. It, it borrows a lot from. Um, and, and on top of all of that, it has an accessibility menu that allows you to change how the game works. So if you want infinite jumps and you just want to explore or you want to be uh, immortal effectively and not have to you know, deal with the punishing death, there's that. There are strawberries located throughout the game, which are entirely optional. They're basically there for the pleasure of having an added challenge, which I love. I love that it's not, oh, hey, you need to get this um, to... Uh, you know, be the world's best at this game, and we're going to award you with rankings um, at the end of each level. It does ultimately unlock some additional stuff, but again, the stuff it unlocks is more extreme and hardcore anyway, so if that's not what you're there for, you'll be fine. Um, and it's just, it's, it's it, I don't know, it, it's a very straightforward game. It, it, it isn't a lot of the stuff that we'll talk about. I think it sets out to be a... A very straightforward, well-executed Nintendo-style platformer, which Matt has always taken inspiration from. It has a pretty um, nice story about dealing with uh, depression and anxiety that I think mashes really well with overcoming obstacles in the game. And, we have a and, great and culminates. Sorry, I was just gonna say we have a great essay on Polygon by uh, Emily Heller that talks about how well the mechanics mash with. The story. What were you going to say, Griffin? That that story, I can't stress this enough. Like, uh, it builds to a climax that uh, was more emotionally resonant with me than any other game I played this year. And I did not fucking expect that from the platformer follow up to Towerfall. Like, I didn't, I didn't, it, it tackles anxiety in such a like relatable way and then builds to like a confrontation with it that is so like it's sick it's like a sick it turns it into like a totally tight platforming level but also is is not 
is not rudimentary. Like it's not like I beat up my anxiety. Let's I won. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot more nuanced than that. I, I think I think that that element of the game should not be undersold. I think the the narrative of of the game and the sort of emotional impact that it goes for and succeeds in going for, which like video games often try to do and fail at, uh, Celeste absolutely crushes. Yeah, fantastic music too. Might, oh yeah, it does. Best and soundtrack might, of the year, hands down. It might also be the best paced game of the year. Um, I, there are a lot of games we'll talk about that I love, but I, I can't think of any other game where I didn't notice at least some lull um, at some point, something that could be cut away. Uh, where this game, it, it begins and ends exactly where it should. Um, it adds, it does the, the Nintendo thing of introducing new abilities that you learn and adapt and include into your kind of toolkit. But it doesn't do the thing that so many wannabe Nintendo games do, where it makes you repeat those lessons over and over and over again. Um, and one final superlative, it has the best Easter egg of the year by far, um, which is the game was originally prototyped in part in Pico 8, which is the virtual game console yeah. um, that we've covered on Polygon a few times. It is kind of like a NES uh, that you can download the emulator for and play all these weird games on and you can play that version of celeste in celeste and what i love about that is it is a rich game in and of itself uh i think a lot of people who found that thought oh this is cute it's like retro celeste i'll play a couple and then they play yeah they played three hours of it yeah and then it's just a full game inside the game um I, i i just think matt makes games has they've taken so much of what i love about a nintendo game which is finding something really uh pleasurable tangible um potent and just polishing it into a into true perfection and then walking away um there's every every bit even even the the level select screen which is this low poly um version of the mountain that you're climbing is is so perfect and charming and it was a choice. Um, he didn't just, you know, it wasn't, oh, well, we're doing pixel art, so the level select is pixel art. It is, hey, what's a way that we can make this a little warmer, a little richer, um, a little more interesting than what people are going to expect? I, also, I don't know. Uh, I was going to say, ahead. I also like the fact that, you know, speaking of someone that, like, really, really likes very difficult platforming games, that game was there for me. Like, I could get that. Now, the, the main story was, like, hard, but not very hard. And then once you beat that, there are like ultra hard levels. But what I didn't really realize is that the fact that they have those customization options made this a super welcoming game to people that do not like those sorts of games that just really want to experience the music and the art and the story and don't want to suffer through like constantly dying. And Um, the fact that they have that stuff in there, I thought was great. But that massacre side of it is and I this, you know, has no bearing on our consideration of it for this round, but seeing the speedrunning community, what they have done to, to this game is so fucking nasty. And so yeah, like I'm this, sure. this I game is so, it, but... Oh man, they did, they did, uh, I think in SGDQ this year, they showed yeah. off, uh, you know, like a four way Celeste speedrun race. And oh. there is so much for you to, you know, shave off of your, Celeste. it is very, very fun to watch. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's such a good game. It's a good game. Any of, these three, any of these three would do it. It bums me out that these three are in a round together because any yep. of these three could do it for me. I didn't, as I didn't like Celeste very much. Uh, so here is my what game. Didn't you, what didn't you like about Celeste? I don't know. I don't want to find any fault with the game. It just 
wasn't my thing. <laughs> and, that, and that is okay. Uh, speaking of, here's Justin's. Speaking of, here's the true game game of my lifetime. How's that? This is uh, my, I, I have been waiting for the game that I'm going to discuss, which is Spider-Man, a game for, on the PlayStation 4 console. Uh, <laughs> I've, uh, one of the first jobs I ever had reviewing video games was uh, Spider-Man Web of Shadows in uh, way back for official Xbox magazine uh, when that was still a going concern. Uh, I have played <laughs> and reviewed when Xbox needed a magazine to help yeah. you keep up with an all official the, one, not an official one. Uh, I've played and reviewed every Spider-Man game since then, except for this one because I was out the biz at just the perfect time. Thanks, games, <laughs> you did it again. Um, and I played, I played every Spider-Man game uh, that's out there, um, and this is the this is the best one. We no longer have to point to. Uh, heartbreakingly, Web of Shadows is being the best Spider-Man game because it is uh, this game. Uh, for me, I mean, the stuff like the swinging is great. The city looks great. Uh, I think the story is surprisingly affecting. It is a kind of classic Spider-Man tale, but it is done in a really um, smart way. I think for me, what, what sets Spider-Man apart is I like to think a lot about um generous game design in in that you're constantly being given new things to do uh in, in a way that makes the, makes it clear the developer respected your time they respected the fact that you were investing your life minutes into this thing and so constantly inventing new mechanics and new ways to play when you when you have something as solid as the 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 swinging is in this game and i would say the combat i think is also fantastic but the 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 swinging and seeing the way that that is used i mean so many different side missions and side quests and and spider-man games especially the open world ones have been plagued absolutely plagued by you know the the assassin's creed thing of like there's four different things you could do have a good 20 hours we'll see you at the end (laughs) see at the credits folks and uh this is so not that i mean constantly just inventing New things for you to do. Uh, I, the one that's like springs out to me the most is a level where you have to reactivate cell phone towers that ha- are being uh, used by the bad people. And as you're swinging, you have to stay above their signal. Uh, and there's sort of like waves of signal that are being sp- uh, sent out that you can see with your special spider goggles and you have to swing between the waves of energy to try to reactivate these towers and that's just like one of i mean dozens upon dozens of ways these mechanics are used Uh, i would also say that like the uh combat and the way that spider-man's abilities are used are like so fun and when you invest the time like so fluid and cool like i uh, to be able to hit a button to grab a trash can and spin it around and throw it at a guy. And then you turn around and web up this other cat and then somebody shooting a missile at you and you redirect that missile at them. And then you set up a web bomb and then you throw them all up in the air with like concussive, I don't know, web farts or something. I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's, it's so cool. I, I got all the, I hunted down all the collectibles. I found all the landmarks. Um, the, it, it, it is the best, I think best, 
representation of New York that's ever been in a video game. Certainly the most like complete. It's very cool. To, okay, well I, I hear but, some low GTA Four. GTA Four was pretty good, right? That's not. Uh, it's, that's it's not, basically New York. It's not New York. Uh, I would say that as somebody who has visited New York a lot, never lived there, uh, it is cool to be able to go to an area and kind and it kind of have the feel of uh the the area that it's supposed to represent uh, at least i as, as i could recognize it like uh the around 27th and 10th where uh, <laughs> sleep no more is uh, that's the mckittrick hotel for yeah, people that are, yeah. Uh, it, it felt very much like that sort of area which i guess is, sure. is that chelsea is that technically it's chelsea? the meatpacking district it's the terrible meatpacking there's district. really no reason you would ever go there Oh, sleep no more. Uh, but anyway, uh, I I I don't think that much more needs to be said. Except I'm so I hope that this signals like a renaissance for. Uh, we never really had a period where great superhero games were being made. I mean, you could point to individual examples like Batman, mm. but we never really had like a bumper crop of great superhero games. And I kind of lost faith that that would happen as the industry move much toward more towards games as service ongoing you know seasons and all multiplayer and stuff like that i started kind of losing hope that we were going to get that and and spider-man seems to have done very well and i hope that maybe now finally we'll see people investing the same kind of energy I, into superhero video games as they do into superhero films at at this point i think there's reason to be skeptical of that and i think also reason why uh, Spider-Man is a fantastic game, um, and I'm glad you brought it. It is a game that didn't click with me nearly as much as I hoped, especially as an obsessive Spider-Man fan. And I think the issue why is why it is good and why so many superhero games are bad. And that's because a lot of times superhero games try to reinvent the wheel. Mm. Um, they try to figure out some like very creative way to come up with powers. I think that has ruined so many Spider-Man. So like those Wii Spider-Man games where like you controlled noir Spider-Man, like those were fucking miserable. In in so many games that either haven't come out or may never come out. I think, uh, the Avengers game, I, good luck trying to figure out one Avengers powers (laughs) in the world of a video game, (laughs) let alone all of them at the same time. Um, and, and what they did, and I think it's a sign of a really mature, developer who has been around in the industry for a long time and is very good at what they do is they said hey we're going to use proven tools um you're going to climb to the top of buildings and you're going to open parts of the map you're going to use fighting mechanics that you've generally seen elsewhere we're going to elevate the swing uh that people love the most Nothing is especially new or daring, but, 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 and it's a huge, 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 but it is, uh, talk about Matt makes games, it is polished. Holy yeah. moly moly, is this game polished. I don't think it's an especially great representation of New York, but I think it is an astonishing representation of the New York skyline. Um, when you are up high, it feels like New York in a way yeah I, I can't think of any game that accomplishes that the empire state building feels like the empire state building when you're on top of it it doesn't feel like a building that's like oh a little bit taller it feels dangerous to be where you're at um so i i was i was i think i may have just had expectations that were a little too high in terms of where they would go creatively with it and i i kind of think that it's going to be one of those games that maybe over the holidays i'll go back to especially after seeing into the spider-verse um and how is it i've heard it's really is it good i mean it's only like the best movie of the year if you're a (laughs) spider-man fan i cried three times no big deal (laughs) it's not like i wanted to see it every day since i was eight years old 
Um, and yeah, I think bringing that that emotion back to the game with me, and also just being like, I think Horizon Zero Dawn was this game last year, right? Yeah. Uh, where you just have to go, okay, it's just doing a known thing, but it's doing it staggeringly well. Yeah, um, I, I that, think that'll for, open my heart. Yeah, I think for me, the it, the thing this is not an issue again, but I think the the best part of Spider Man you experience in the first thirty minutes. And I don't think there's anything in the game after that that makes that first 30 minutes, like, not the best part of the game. The combat is pretty neat once you... It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was evolving. Maybe, I, you know, I didn't beat the whole thing, so I didn't feel like it was evolving fast enough. But it didn't feel... Yeah. I just never got so, the same thrill that I got from booting up the game for the first time. So, of the 30-minute of the segments that Russ played, the best of those... <laughs> was the first one yeah got it cool number I, one it's it, what's weird to I me is this like show, man Shit. yeah it's really Damn, fun what's, this show. What, what's weird to me is like i did not finish the game but i kind of want to now because i've heard that this story is actually really great yeah and that is strange to me that this licensed superhero game is the first one to have a good story like the batman games like had basically no story or the second game had a good story at the very worst it had a bad story or no the joker's a big monster this game is is its own (laughs) spider-man reality and they and that's awesome and they well it's important for the story because they make Mm -hmm. some choices like uh it is it is extremely cool. Uh, I, I, I will say, slight caveat, the one thing that is still missing from Spider-Man, that has been missing from all Spider-Man games, uh, and all superhero games that I can think of, except for maybe the Hulk. One of the, the Hulks did this. But uh, for me, uh, I had this, uh, the coolest moment of any Spider-Man or superhero thing is that, like, pulling open the shirt to reveal the costume underneath and, like, changing in a in a phone booth or an alley or whatever and going from like regular person to superhero mm. um and that's something that like no game has really done uh it, superman on the nes did it you could be clark kent and wander around if you wanted to for no reason <laughs> Uh, give me that give me that persona shit like i'm not no kidding it seems like a weird yeah. genre mashup but like give me a give me persona shit where it's him in high school and him like walking around his neighborhood and like getting to know people and then fucking give me that give me that uh midnight channel shit of you tearing your shirt open and becoming <laughs> spider-man like yeah. why doesn't every superhero <laughs> game do that this uh, one flirts with it but then it's like would you like to solve puzzles because yeah we exactly tile puzzles Oh man, the tile puzzles! Come on, I y'all. do love me a tile puzzle. Uh, all right, so that's Spider Man. Ain't gonna win, but it's a good video game. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, I don't know how we. I don't know how do, we do let's this. Let's do around around the table. I personally, uh, of these four games, the one that I'm like would I, I've played for infinity time and would still go play right this second again uh, is Into the Breach. I think that the other. Th- three are exceptional but have like definite caveats uh with them and i and i can't find one with into the breach i think it is uh just outstanding top to bottom yeah i'll show my hand and say i am right on the same page into the breach i i feel like i understand what you're saying like it is a it, it into the breach is i think a pretty flawless game in what it tries to accomplish but like I think it's. I think it is Hollow Knight. From I was. I a hundred and eight percent completed Hollow. That was my final stat, which I don't even know how that's possible. Uh, You're very I, good, Griffin. I re, no. I mean, how I got more than a hundred percent. That's what um, I mean. 
I, I, that was the game that I found myself so surprised by, but at the same time, it came out last year. That's the thing that's that is not very a, challenging for me. I mean, I don't like, think that's a reason to, I don't think yeah, we need but to like, hold that as a mark. I, okay. I mean, yeah, I don't disagree. I think that, like, the first time I tried to play Hollow Knight was on the PC, and I think the first hour is so sort of inscrutable, and some of the choices they've made actually limit the number of people that are going to be able to get the most out of this game. And I, I think I'm not saying that it's a bad game as a result. We're like grasping at straws with all of these, of course. They're all exceptional. Sure. But for no, me, no, I, under- I, that, I understand that this is, flaws. Uh, that is that is a uh, that's a tough. That is this is not a universal recommendation that I would make to people. That, but though, I mean, I loved it the second time around um but that that would be my argument against my i mean i I wouldn't recommend like the souls games to most folks but still they are still some of my favorite games ever made here here's here's my um and i I don't want to diminish fto i'm sorry uh, uh into the breach which again is one really honestly one of my favorite games of the year i think not only did hollow knight succeed at what it was trying to do it succeeded on every single front at a 10 for me like i think the art spectacular the world the storytelling the game the combat there's like 45 boss fights each of which feels different and requires like very intricate hardcore like uh attention and strategy um i i just think as an overall package it is such a difficult thing to pull off and they nailed it on every front russ is right i'm hollow knight well, and here we are again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, this is really up to to hoops, like to make yeah. a pudge, because I just I had too much trouble getting into Hollow Knight. I just uh, for me, I, it's I don't think a reissue should put it in contention. Like, I think that that has to be considered. Like, otherwise, like we, you know, we, when when like Majora's Mask is reissued, we could say, hey, this is still not a very good game. But like, we we I, I should pick a good one. But like, Link to the, I think past, the argument, right? I think the reason I'm okay with it is because literally none of us really talked about it the year it came out. No one like we really missed it uh, big time. So I think that's why. I think it'd we, be another thing. If there like, is precedent because we considered uh, uh, Towerfall. The year after it had been released, when it made it on yes. uh, consoles and shit, so when there is Bessie's precedent it. for it. <laughs> um, I yeah, I, I would know. recommend. I mean, for me, like I'm not. There's there are things that people love, and there are things that are uh, uh, have a wider appeal. And for me, the fact that like I would recommend Into the Breach to pretty much anybody, even if they don't like that genre of game, because I don't. And, like, the ability to get me to get invested in a style of game that, like, I actively dislike, uh, I, I, it's just hard for me to, to get past that. I think it is, um, it will also bring a lot of people into a genre uh, that, that maybe haven't tried it before. Um, and I, I just think it's such a, such a huge accomplishment um, and does so many things right, where there are, like, I think, like flaws with hollow knight like things that it did wrong like i think that there are things that are too obscure or punishing or whatever uh that that made it like less enjoyable for me you know Uh, what there's a there's a side quest in hollow knight where you have to take a flower from a woman on the far right side of the map and then carry it all the way to the far left side of the entire map without getting hit once and it took me fucking 20 hours to beat that shit because I wanted to do 100% the game and it was miserable. I'm changing my vote to Into the Breach. 
punitively. Hollow Knight is the best game of 2017. We fucked up by not considering it, and and that's I honestly think it's a masterpiece. I mean, I don't think it. it's better than Zelda Breath of the Wild, but it is was an excellent, excellent, extremely game. Ga- good game. Uh, let's move on to the second round of competition. Uh, I this one gonna be nasty too. Yeah, this is gonna be a nasty one, boys. Um, let me. Let me do mine first. Please, no. Can we do yours last and the very last thing? I do not want to talk about this fucking game. It's going to get so bad in here. I think it'll be... The air's going to get ended on that. I think I have an interesting perspective on it. An interesting perspective. I think you do too, actually. I'm ready. Um, Okay, Red Dead Redemption 2. (laughs) Is a cowboy game. <laughs> uh-huh. We can. Are we all in agreement so far? <laughs> so far, so good. No, I, 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 I already disagree. Okay. Well, anyway, not a cowboy game. It's a cowboy I do, game. Not a cowboy game. Anti cowboy game. Yeehaw. Um. Okay. Red Dead Redemption Two is a game. The first thing, I, even I, that. The first thing I tweeted about Red Dead Redemption Two. I wish I just. I should just pull up all my like Red Dead Redemption Two <laughs> tweets because my first thing I I, I tweeted about it is. Oh my God! The first hour of Red Dead Redemption Two is like books level boring. <laughs> and that is the first thing I said about the game: is that the first hour is so boring that I honestly was like, I have been looking for this game for years. I cannot believe that I am going to bail on it right now because it is you're tromping through snow. It's miserable. It controls like uh, your uh, your sticks got <laughs> dipped by your nephew into Mrs. Butterworth's and then hardened that way. And then you're just like fighting them for the entire game. And any game where it's like, any game where it's like, you have to look up on fucking VG247, like the hot strats to customize the menu can, so you can yeah. actually play the thing. Everyone I know who played this game reduced the dead zone to zero and changed sprint to press X once instead of tapping it. Oh, that I didn't is, know to do that. Oh, oh my it's, God. It's a good one. It, literally, it is essential to oh, enjoying no. the game. Um, but, and, and, and honestly, as I played it, um, I, I, it, even towards the end of it, I was like, okay, I, uh, I spent a lot of time in the open world of the game, like doing open world stuff. Mm. And uh, I, I was sort of, bu- this is going to sound like I'm picking it apart, but I, I'm really not. I, I was sort of bummed out. It was sort of the um, Dragon Age oh, Origin? Inquisition. Inquisition. Dragon Age Inquisition problem where people spent 20 hours in the first area. And then it's like, well, no, you all got to get out of there. Please, please yeah. leave. Please move on. Um, I kind of did that with the open world in this game where like I was exploring and I was living the simulation, uh, which is yeah. brilliantly done. Like, Stuff where I would do things that have no gameplay effect just to like, because it felt right to like get a haircut or, you know, uh, groom my horse or, or whatever. Nod at people on the, on the yeah, road. Yeah, exactly. Like that, pet that animals. Feeling, like, you, you use the word feeling right. And that is so important when you talk about this game, because there is not really a good reason to get a haircut. You just feel like, ah, oh, this is what he needs. This is what he needs. Is, I want to take care of my boy. Let's give him a haircut. <laughs> you know what? He should have someone come into the bathtub with him and wash his arms and legs. Oh, he deserves it. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> it never gets nasty, Russ. It's just, I, I know your puritanical views that seeped into the besties once again. <laughs> Uh, and, and, but I, I spent a lot of time with that and then I was like, okay, main story time. And I started to get the feeling like, man, I wish I had spaced this stuff out because I was not getting some of the video gamey type stuff you get from, uh, going through a campaign. I wasn't like unlocking a bunch of new weapons or abilities or anything that, that I, I found particularly meaningful. I had done a lot of that stuff in the open world already. And I was really like 
waiting for it to be over, like wanting it to end. Like, I, okay, I want to see the end of this. I want to move on to other things. And then there's an epilogue that takes like another eight hours. <laughs> and it is a, a baffling choice. But when I finished the game, there was something about the the world of this game and the characters and spending the amount of time I had like thinking about them and looking after them uh, that I really found it hard to shake. Like I'm, I'm not uh, somebody who normally like keeps thinking about games after they finish them. I tend to like play something and sort of move on. And I felt myself like lingering in this world that is like really cool and fascinating and, and lovely to look at and like feel so full of, uh, potential and depth. Um, and, and we're more than any open world game I can remember. The seams are not as evident. They're there for sure. If you look for them, but the seams are not as evident as I, uh, have been accustomed to in, in a lot of games like this. And I, I know that I'm not, I don't feel like I'm doing a great job of articulating why this game, like really sort of stuck with me, but the things that it is, about and the way that it looks at violence and the way that it looks at loyalty and the value of that and the value of um like who where your loyalty lies and who it lies to and the value of i think that the the the, the more and it's really hard to talk about this without getting into spoilers but during a certain period of the game you are forced to look at what you have achieved, not as a video game character, but as a person. Like, look at the the worth of your life and the worth of your contribution to the Earth. And it it, it looks at that, that, that like, uh, having values in the face of um, the grand scope of your life and what your life has meant. And, and seeing a character really look and think about that, that I don't think I've ever seen a game... Do. And not just that, but seeing how your legacy affects the people that come after that I think is like ex- extremely powerful and could only work in a game like this um, that that made it really powerful for me and, and difficult to uh, to to let go of. So, OK, so I, I should first mention, apart from Justin's tweets, I got probably 16 DMs from him totally ripping apart various parts of the game and saying don't keep playing you should stop right now let me see if i can find find any (laughs) (laughs) there were a number of them uh complaining about the sixth of montage that was happening oh yeah yeah yeah. there are there are a baffling number of montages in the epilogue of this (laughs) game is like uh i think six or seven yeah it's pretty funny uh yeah Here's, here's what I'm going to say, and the, and the reason why I thought this is a very special game, it belonged in my top 10, I do not regret putting it there, but why it doesn't really come close to being my top game of the year, is I, what Justin's points about the themes and the topics that are brought up through the story are totally right, 100%. I thought uh, they were interesting topics. The, the story, the like single player, like playing through missions, very easily could have been 20 hours shorter, like yes. in a heartbeat, could have been 20 40 hours, hours 20, shorter maybe 40 i think that's a stretch but certainly 20 hours shorter without a doubt there's an incredible Um, 20 hour long game in this game there's an there's a fucking masterpiece of a 20 hour long game in this game unfortunately there is a 
kind of super tedious 60 hour game that you right. actually and, have to play. And the other issue, which which Justin sort of alluded to as well, regarding the the like you're not getting the typical things you get from an open world game, which are like tools and upgrades and stuff like that. And while I grant that like there's a story conceit to that where you're trying to make a grounded game of uh, you know, this guy and he's, you know, making his way in the world, um, you run into the biggest issue that I think it has, which is there just are, there's not enough variety in terms of the actual things that you do in the world. You ride a horse, you get to the mission pot, uh, spot, you kill a bunch of guys with cover-based mechanics, the cops are coming, you got to run away, you run away. Like that describes, I want to say, 80 to 85% of every mission in this game. And there are 60 hours of missions like that is not a short amount of time where you're doing the same thing over and over again and granted there are very well acted and written cutscenes that like further exemplify what the characters are and stuff like that but you can't make the gameplay itself be that redundant without making people feel like they're wasting their time i i i basically i had the same arc as justin where i got through that that tutorial that was quite bad and then just lost myself in the open world and mm -hmm. th that stuff like it, somebody used the word special to describe this game and i think that's apt like i've, I've never played a game like red dead redemption 2 because nobody's made a game like it red dead redemption 1 isn't even anything like red dead redemption 2 um because i had a lot of fun playing red dead redemption 1 uh I, I lost myself in that open world and had an incredible time. Spent so, I spent nights, like, uh, over the course of weeks, just, like, doing shit in the world. And then I was like, ah, let's play the story. I quit in the middle of chapter three. And then, like, um, you know, uh, earlier this week, actually, I was like, listen, I'm going to give this another shot. Because I know we're going to talk about it in Besties. I made it through the end of chapter three and a couple missions into chapter four. I was like, okay, I'm probably <laughs> not going to play this game anymore. Because the stories are... The, the 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 missions are like Russ said, like everything funnels through the fucking barrel of a gun. All these like cool interactions and systems of the world, like eventually just turn into bullets that you shoot at people. Uh, and this, while I agree that like there are some interesting characters in the game, I am twenty to thirty hours into it now, probably thirty hours into it right now. And if you ask me like what the story is about, other than like the collapse of outlaw lifestyle, I couldn't fucking tell you. I, I had a conversation with Chris Plant that broke my heart where I was like, I'm almost through chapter three. I'm so stoked. It's been so it's been so miserable. Chapter three is a fucking disaster where you just go from person in your camp who gives you a job. It usually fucks up. You do the job. You shoot some guys. You run away and you do this 16 times. Each time it takes a fucking half hour. It is miserable and disconnected, disjointed, like not a story. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I'm through it. I'm so does, does the story get better after chapter three? And Chris Plant told me chapter three is the best chapter in the game. And I was like, well, then my time is up with Red <laughs> Dead Redemption 2. I, I, I think it's the best chapter. I do think, um, can I, go back to what Justin well, I, I want to I want to get back, Chris, I, I just need to address one thing that Griffin said. You do not understand the, I'm not one of these like, give it 40 hours and see if it picks up. I'm not saying that. I think you're completely justified in your, in your thing. I would say that like the, the care, the way where these characters go in the last third of the game is the game like is what I mean it is the character arcs like I think it is laying groundwork for the the ending and like I it is I think it is only in the medium of video games where we would say I don't think this character is very good or doesn't have a good arc or whatever when we haven't like seen the, the totality of it.
But I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I get that. I made that argument for Final Fantasy 13. I was there when that argument was invented. <laughs> I do not discredit it. Like everybody I've talked to says, yeah, it, the, uh, it, it gets great at the end. But I, it's 30 hours, guys. Like that's, yeah, I've spent no, more should. than a human day right. playing this game the, and I don't know what the fuck it's about. The other issue is taken holistically, it gets better at the end. But the end itself is, is I, in my opinion, the worst part. Once it gets into <laughs> the politics of how this... I, I, how much are we are comfortable spoiling here? They get not exploitation in a way that is so utterly disgusting, and I think I think so many of the problems with this game could be solved with a solution that Rockstar already came up with with Grand Theft Auto Five, which is I increasingly don't believe games of this scope and style can survive off of just one protagonist. If you have multiple protagonists. You are you you immediately get licensed to do so many different things. You don't have one character who has to go through every single experience that this game throws his way. There is an action set piece towards the end of the game that is absolutely ludicrous and comes after some very tragic reveals. And and yet we're just supposed to jive with these two things being together with the same person and not having an impact on this person. I think it solves um allowing for that type of um i guess mechanical growth that you were talking about fresh of oh hey well one of these people can be the kind of weaker character where you experience the grind right. of the west and one of them could be somebody who has access to lots of money and, and is put in adventurous situations um and and also there's just the weirdness of this is about a group and there's so much opportunity to to put you in the shoes of people who I think are just more interesting. Sadie mm-hmm. is probably the most interesting character in the game. Yeah. Um, and I, I kept wanting to live that story versus living a kind of like eh, knockoffish Breaking Bad. The story, the writing is just so much better than anything Rockstar has done in the past. But also everything they've done in the past is so deeply cynical and yeah. uh, shallow and satirical in a way that doesn't pay off that it, it definitely makes this game feel better right off the bat but i think if i compare it again uh to a boring book in justin's words uh, no just books it, like just books, books. books. The it doesn't books. it it feels like it's going for that level it's going for this novel feel that it never quite earns and the other weird thing that gets in the way is you can feel that this game got rebooted a number of times because there are moments that are still in the game that are ghosts of previous drafts that are nasty and cynical and you have that kind of shallow uh, satire that Rockstar is known for. So I, I'm I glad you said that. The tonal shifts in this game, I, I totally feel what you're saying, where it went from serious game to like Grand Theft Auto Vice City yeah. levels of like go kill all of these you know, kill everybody in this strip club with a chainsaw level of like, holy shit, guy. The first time that I had to murder an entire town, like the opening of the the gunslinger, when I was trying to go for a positive <laughs> karma run, are you, f- that was fucking wild. And you do it like eight times. I have to cry foul here, guys, because I'm looking at everyone's top 10 lists and Red Dead Redemption 2 is on three of ours. And oh, I've Okay, f- let me defend it. Let me defend okay. it. Because that, that is like totally it. justified. Here's, here's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> Unquestionably, in my mind, this is the, most realistic open world ever made bar none not even close like outrageously incredible open world 
the most believable. I feel like I could live there. I could build a cabin and chill out and just live there. That is a feat that is not to be denied. Um, so like that alone, honestly, would probably put it in my top 10, like right there. Yeah, that the the fucking million ways that horses can crash alone is, is pretty. I think that, I don't know. I think it it is representative of what they tried to go for versus who actually resonated with what they tried to go for. What they tried to go for is a very realistic, very uh, realistically paced. It's like if you tried to play, and I've done this before, and I think, Russ, you made a video like this before where, like, trying to play GTA Five while following all the traffic laws. Oh, yeah. That's what it feels like. It's, it is it is not the fun way to play one of these games, but it's very realistic, and the, the fact that that is the the tone that this AAA game developer was like, yep, that's right. This is the game you're, you, you, that tutorial doesn't lie. It's not a fast paced game. And so that you got to kind of sit back and uh, enjoy it. And three of us, you know, did enough for it to be top 10 and I found it quite bad. And so it's not, but I think that that's representative of like, who's going to get something out of this game. Maybe, maybe a good 75% of people. There are also two things that came out right before the game that I think capture both its ambition, I guess is a word, uh, and also it, its flaws. One is obviously uh, all of the issues with development crunch that they kind of copped to in an interview and then walked back of people working just absurd number of hours. Um, and you see that in... The, there's an entire extra place you go in this game that is just the pits. Um, and really should never have been made or should have been cut from the game. But I also feel that there's an obligation to keep things when they cost that much money to make, uh, both in, in money and, you know, people's time. Uh, but then the other thing that they that one of the Hauser brothers said before the game came out was that he effectively, if I if I remember this right, didn't watch any movies uh, like modern Westerns or read any modern books or, or any of these shit. things, that they don't take any inspiration from it. Which, which is, I, sure, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, H- hysterical, because the number of times that this game turns to, like, spirit animal, quote-unquote, imagery, uh, is a lot. Um, it, it, it's, it is so weird how one moment it really can feel genuine and new and fresh, and then the, in the same scene, just fall onto just the most sour trope um imaginable it's bizarre who played Um, online did anybody play online yeah i played online i played it once and i got in and i had found a mission and the mission was i think in like strawberry and i had to like ride up north get a wagon that some guys stolen bring it right back to strawberry i did just that i have a 15 minute timer on the clock (laughs) took me seven minutes to go up to the place where the wagon was got in none of the ai (laughs) seemed to activate and come after me seven minutes back down with no real players or enemies coming after me at all parked the thing got made 75 cents turned the game right the fuck off said no thanks rockstar and then the rockstar was like wait 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 before we go do you want to spend do you want to spend 40 dollars on a virtual horse and i was like actually yes i do want to do that because i hate i hate money and I love virtual horses. So a mixed, yeah. a mixed bag. Um, <laughs> let's <laughs> let's move on. Okay. Our- this episode of the Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right. So you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house. 
but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rockamoney.com slash besties next title what's that gonna be i think it's yours griffin sure uh my second game that i am bringing is monster hunter world uh another game that came out uh pretty early in the year i think january or february uh and that i got super 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 into uh we had so russ and i had destiny 2 uh, forsaken on our lists and ultimately decided not to include it because we didn't want to talk at length about a uh, <laughs> expansion to a first person shooter game um but i think another good reason for excluding it is monster hunter world does you know what destiny goes for this like you know online progression based grindy uh uh action game uh way way better uh and arguably mm, better than I, oh. I don't agree but that's, oh, you can okay. go on um so uh, w- what i think is so important about monster hunter world and you know one of the reasons i really loved it is it was the game that more than any other uh, got people I know, people who play video games, into a franchise that I have enjoyed for a really long time, and that has been traditionally like completely inscrutable. Monster Hunter World, luckily, is only 
pretty inscrutable not completely so it's a it's a it's a step mm-hmm. down um there it is man it is not the most narratively interesting game on the list in fact it may be the most narratively worst game on the list <laughs> um, worse than tetris worse than tetris certainly uh <laughs> but man this is a fucking this is a fucking video game y'all this here is one of those capital v video capital g games uh it is you know, just like every Monster Hunter game that came before it, you go out on hunts and you, you know, are usually trying to take down uh, one of the big featured monster of which there are about, I don't know, like 30 or 40 or so. Uh, and that's like most of the missions. Sometimes you'll have to take down multiple of them. Sometimes you have smaller quests like, you know, go collect some herbs, uh, which you then take back to your hub world and turn into, uh, you know, new item recipes or you turn into weapons and armor, uh, the different sort of weapons that you use are essentially your class for the game and uh monster hunter world succeeds in having all i think 14 of the weapon types be really fucking fun and really uh unique uh amongst each other i switched between them i I think in past monster hunter games i've like only done bow or only done longsword in this one i tried everything because every instrument is actually really really great um it had really seamless really well executed multiplayer uh and hopping into this game with you guys and you know taking on big monsters or uh me being like sort of further along than you guys and coming in to help you like um, beat the smaller monsters was a complete blast hey griff not to derail you um when i edit out you saying seamless multiplayer it, can you say something else that's more accurate so i can like edit it in right here just take out seamless what did you not like what anything. did you not like about just about how that entire system is deeply deeply flawed could you say like deeply flawed multiplayer? uh i will grant you i will grant you when it comes to story missions the fact that you can't okay that's this the justice right this is bullshit when you do a story mission there are some of them you have to do alone there's some of them that your partner like your co-op partner can't do if they they haven't done the mission but regardless they can't join your team until after you've made it through the opening cutscene of the thing <laughs> so that would lead to like justin making like a private room that he would then give me the password to. fuck man trying to stream seamful this game with trying to seem well no because then there's also the option of you creating a lobby that you and like 24 people can jump into you make a mission and then you go and run the mission and come back to that it's, wor- that, that it's lobby. workable i'm not saying it's broken it's, it's workable like, but it definitely has it, it does have issues but there's also uh the sos system where if you're having trouble or you jump into a mission and realize oh shit i want a team you fire up a flare you like use an item to fire up a flare uh and then other people who are just looking at the mission board can see oh this person needs help i'll just hop in there it is really i never had uh any problem like if i was grinding uh a monster trying to get you know some of its materials for a weapon or an armor set i was looking for it was it took seconds to find a, a game uh, to to hop into, uh, mm-hmm. which is evidenced by the fact that I probably ran I probably ran several hundred hunts like because it was it was pretty easy to hop into. Uh, um, I just think it's great, man. I think the the progression hooks are I'm, that's like something I'm very critical about in game in, in, in games. I think that Monster Hunter World does really well by them. And it also gives you a lot of sort of customization feel so that when you play with your friends who are all using different weapons and different skill sets uh you you really feel like you know you've made a unique thing and everybody else is playing with their unique thing and that's very cool i have worked harder at getting into monster hunt uh, monster hunting than (laughs) i have ever worked i don't i don't meet games halfway usually i'm pretty i'm pretty fickle about that sort of thing i worked so hard and griffin 
maybe a couple of you guys can attest to this. There was an E3 where when I was sort of entering my um, more figurehead status at Polygon, not so much like boots on <laughs> the ground. More consultants. More of a consultant phase of Polygon. There was an E3 while Pat Gill attempted furiously to edit video where I would just like sit next to him with my 3DS like, what the fuck, Pat? What do I do here, Pat? <laughs> Pat, what are the paintballs for, Pat? Pat, what do I do next? <laughs> like literally the entire E3 I spent trying to get into that game. And by the end of it, I was just like, you know what? I can't do it. I can't get into it. And Monster Hunter World is the one that everybody who plays Monster Hunter games says that each game in the series is. Which is <laughs> the one that, no, really, it's actually accessible this time, and you can actually, actually really play it. And I spent, this game came out uh, right around the time that my my second daughter was born, and was when she was, like, waking up in the middle of the night constantly, and there would be period, she had her days and nights switched, so she would sleep through the day and then be up for most of the night. And I would just sit up and... Uh, hold her and hold the PS4 controller and play this thing at like three in the morning for hours and hours and hours. And I just, I would play with Justin one day and then the next day I would play with him and when he would be like 14 levels higher with like this <laughs> sick new weapon and new set of armor. And it's like, whoa, holy shit, you got, you got yolked over the nighttime. Um, I, I, I do want to address, I think it, it is just I'm fantastic. Sorry. I do want to address the, the statement that Griffin made earlier regarding Destiny and why, uh, yeah, please. So, okay, so when I look at Monster Hunter, because I'm the same way with Justin, like, I really, in earnest, tried to get into this franchise before and never understood it, like, didn't even make a lick of sense why people like this game, and there was a moment that I finally hit, and it took me a while, and I think I talked a little bit about it in a previous episode, where it clicked for me, and that was when I was chasing a T-Rex, and it ran up to a bird's nest for some reason, and a bunch of raptors attacked it, and they all fell to the ground, and it was the coolest friggin' thing I've ever seen. So that moment is, in my mind, where Monster Hunter soars. It does it better than any other game in the world in terms of, like, these giant monster boss fights are, like, super, super cool. Everything else that Monster Hunter does, I think, is horseshit and should go. <laughs> Honestly, everything You're talking else. about the, 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 Literally the everything crafting, else. like, the crafting, the, the, the menus, stuff. the load screens, okay. the cutscenes, the story. Every aspect of the game is fucking horseshit. Wait, and wait, 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 wait. What about the cats? That Love cats are good. Treats. That's a the good point. That's the good. other thing I like. Cool. Um, I just feel like at every turn, and granted, like Justin had the luxury of you, like walking him through it. You also I, had the luxury of me. Don't act like I didn't play with you a bunch uh, trying I, to usher you, did you a into bit, this But honestly, world. I didn't have the patience to like sit no, there and have someone teach me. And I think if you go in and do not know anything, it is worse than Dark Souls by a mile in For terms sure. of like approachability. It is worse than just about every triple game I can think of in terms of approachability. And it kills me because I think what they do well should be something that a lot of people experience because it really is a fantastic thing. I, yeah. My, it, the but first it's time so this, buried in like, fuck you mechanics. I, I, the, okay. The, the mechanics I would push against in just this way, and it's going to seem like a bullshit defense. And maybe it is. You know, I think any game like this where you spend enough time, you're going to get a, a, a bit of Stockholm Syndrome. But um, the... the, the understanding a lot of the mechanics and being super familiar with them in the way that you like are no longer having to like check the, you know the monster hunter wiki pages or whatever does give you a sense that i don't think you get with most games of like um i used to talk about it in dark souls a lot you know there's the bit in uh princess bride when they get really good at navigating the fire swamp and oh, he's yeah, like, yeah. you know he's like uh, he hears a pop and moves her out of the way and it's just like 
by the end of it, they're just like navigating it. And I love that in a Dark Souls game where I'm like, okay, there's a guy coming from up here. All right, sure. watch out. There's a guy. With with Monster Hunter, like being able to sense stuff, like being able to like, oh, I'm getting a really bad vibe about this, or like, you know, yeah. what, I'm gonna, I, I th- this part of the of the world is often really dangerous. I'm gonna do this thing, or like understanding those mechanics. I think does give you that sense of like being a real experienced like hunter in this world. Like you're 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 smart about the way this world works and all your mm. different tools and stuff. And I think that knowledge that comes a little harder like that is often a lot more valuable in video games. Stuff that's not just like spelled out for you. Um I, I, I think is is I think it would have been stickier. fine if the game was uh slower in terms of introducing this stuff. Like maybe you know, 20 hours in, I mean, granted, it still like rolls in new information constantly, but like within five hours, I was so inundated with so yeah. many options that I was just, I didn't know where to look. Like mm-hmm. sure. just making sense of the HUD alone was chaos. It's a lot. So, we, we, it's, I, and we to that point, there's new stuff and they're releasing an expansion next year. I'm not looking forward to trying to get back into the game because I, I hit, you know, in game, I went far fucking into the end game. I was doing like, you know, the advanced, the d- double plus super advanced monsters and so trying to get back into it's gonna feel like tough. horizon a little bit or like trying to get back into the dlc for that like oh i don't remember any of this stuff yeah we need to move on but i just wanted to say to russ's point like in terms of progression i get like it is still uh it's still kind of tough to wrap your head around that stuff and it certainly isn't you know uh done in the smoothest way possible uh but like compared to destiny 2 and this is maybe not the best thing to compare it to uh i hit max level in destiny 2 i did everything or uh, forsaken i did everything that that expansion added i beat the raid a bunch i I played all the stuff i i played all the stuff and i didn't unlock a single new exotic after playing it for over 100 hours Mm -hmm. easily so the the power the power the like progression arc the strength growth of that game was going up going up going up flatlined literally for 50 hours uh and that's like i don't know games uh, online games especially that are so afraid of their own mortality that they fucking do that shit to you and i think that red dead redemption 2 online based on what i played and what i've seen like is certainly falling into that trap uh it sucks and monster hunter world doesn't do that uh because it just you if you can work for it if you can do the hunts if you can take down the monsters uh odds are you're going to get the next the next thing and so that that crawl that that uh that acquisition of power that you then you know feel the next time you take down the monster that you killed to get it is really really good uh but we need to move on because that was took a very long time it's a very good game it's a good game um i'll go yes how about i go Please. Um, okay, so this is a game that I think I actually brought, or Justin might have brought to an earlier episode this season. Did we? That I really enjoyed. I don't know how much you guys played of it, but I played a lot of it, and it was Subnautica. Um, a game that has been in early access seemingly forever, uh, probably for the last two years or so, but finally actually for, for Reels came out um, early this year, maybe February or March. And I started it not really expecting that i was going to get that into it uh, mostly because i've played a lot of survival games and i've you know i played no man's sky and i was just kind of just expecting underwater no man's sky and i was really surprised that um how uh, attached and like in- invested i was in not only like my advancement as a character but also the world that i had landed on and like this like slow progression of like a base that I was building up to like act as my sort of home away from home 
Um, in case you're not familiar, you basically crash on a water planet and you start with essentially nothing and you go swimming and you, uh, you know, kill fish and find like little pieces of ore and stuff like that. And slowly but surely you, um, uh, build, you know, a much more capable character that eventually the top tier, which I think is just fantastic. You literally build a new, a nuclear sub a personal solo nuclear sub that you could run around and like drive yourself and it's and like launch like a giant mech suit out of the bottom it's like such an incredible power scaling thing um it's uh i don't know it's just like a really thoughtful very satisfying take on the survival genre which again i think tends to be very grindy and frustrating in that way whereas this i found really satisfying now i should mention the way I played it, which is the way I would recommend everyone play this game, is by turning off the food and water requirements. Do that. There's a, a mode, I think it's I've, I've, it's not creative mode where you get infinite everything. There's it's like right a mode the in between. The game and, it's right at the beginning of the game, you're given it. a choice. So just turn off food and water requirements, but you still have like O2, you can still take damage, it's still challenging, but at least that gets rid of like one of the kind of annoying grinds of the game, but the core game i thought was like really touching the story goes like in really interesting places with like interactive elements with like an open world that you really don't see in like these types of games usually it's like very like locked down and there's no story but you it actually goes to like really interesting places that like i felt like really moving um um i i think that it is hard to overstate uh in survival games um what this brings to the genre in that there is something about being one underwater, but two like going deep that gives you the sense of like, Oh my God, I should not be doing this. Like, and I experienced that so many times in Subnautica, I'd like go down a, a cave and find myself in like this beautiful, terrifying place that I like had no, I knew like, I've got to leave. This is terrible. I should not be doing this. I have got to go. But still, like, but what's down there? I wonder if there's something, yeah. like, that sense of uh, exploration and danger and risk-reward, I think, is really heightened by being underwater. Because it's like, you're constantly up against it. Like, you're constantly, uh, you, you know, out of your depth, if you will. Um, and and yeah. I think that that was a really, really cool element to to bring to the genre. And they do the good thing that I think a lot of really good Metroidvanias do, which is you go to a place like Justin just described, which is like, oh my God, I should not be here. And then five hours later, you return to that place and you're like, I got this. Like, I'm a badass. I've got like a mech with a drill arm and like, I'm going to blow through this and then get to another place that's like, oh God, there's lava spewing out of the ground and I'm in trouble and there's a teleporting octopus. And like that keeps happening for a surprisingly long time. It's like not a short game. I think it took me like 20, 25 hours to beat. And um, yeah, it, it really just kept investing me and making me want to play more. The base building was super sick also. Like I was it's very really impressed. I, I didn't really know what to expect from this game when I played it. Um, uh, obviously there's like not a uh n- n- no no lack of survival games especially like indie survival games available for mm-hmm. uh pc or whatever uh and i you know i kind of felt like i knew what i was getting into but the base building is like 
It's great. It's way better than uh, Fallout 76, which we didn't talk yeah. about this Brings episode our, at all. Let's turn um, our next game. Fallout 76. Fallout 76. <laughs> my, my, the, the thing that kind of broke my heart about Subnautica, because um, I, was, I was getting into it. I didn't like love it as much as you guys like uh, immediately. And I think that whenever we talked about it uh, earlier this year, that probably came through. Uh, I hit a point where I could not progress through the story Anymore. There was like a thing I needed to find or like a uh, a person I needed to talk to that uh, I and I still wasn't like far enough in the game where things like oxygen uh, and food and water were like no longer concerned for me. So when I went out looking for this story objective, sure. I would starve to death yeah. and it was really frustrating, like stumbling around in the dark, watching my meters go down, trying to find this waypoint that just didn't fucking exist. Uh, it was it was it was it was pretty uh, pretty punishing. Uh, yeah, that's and that's really fair. I think scared they, me off. They do some weird time gated stuff with the story where you're like waiting for radio messages to show up that I don't fully approve of. Like it's not a perfect game by any stretch, but I think just core execution wise, I thought they like nailed it. I also uh, speaking of the base building, which you mentioned, um, really liked that it was not purely cosmetic, even though you had a ton of control of how your base looked. It constantly was like giving you like, oh, I can make like a little farm and it'll constantly replenish this resource that I need. So there was like constantly uh, gameplay utility to like spending time on your base, which I really I think, like. I think the creators were also really smart about what they opted not to include in the game. Um, there was a, a few different times the, the game's director, Charlie Cleveland, too, fantastic name, um, has been asked by people on Steam because this was a early access game before uh, before it got released to add guns like lethal weapons, you know, big battles with big scary uh, underwater monsters. And he had cited basically, you know, there are enough real shootings in the world, um, and there are enough violent games that that doesn't need to be what this game is. That by keeping that out of the game, one, it's it's kind of a vote of this doesn't have to be the type of industry we run, but also we can be a bit more creative. And I, I think sometimes people don't consider that, you know, like the time you spend making something is a resource unto itself. Sure. Um, and if they set out to feel obligated to, okay, well, we're making this sort of game and people expect combat in this sort of game, that is a massive resource dump of finding the the combat system and adding those weapons and updating those weapons and you know uh making sure that those weapons are always balanced and diverting that consciously towards other things i think Mm -hmm. is a choice that a lot of people just don't even consider i think it's just well we're making this type of game it's assumed it's going to have this type of combat um and these type of weapons uh when it doesn't really need to be uh and i think you can see it in in terms of the creativity that the game has and how it expresses itself and how it challenges you to engage with the world in in non-traditional ways uh let's move on to our last game of this round uh presented by uh designed by chris plant chris plants god of war so uh god of war is a little game i've been working on (laughs) it's um you know nothing 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 big nothing special um it's i don't know it's a sequel reboot both at the same time what are reboots and sequels these days um they really blur the line of the classic playstation action game god of war where you play as kratos you're big and you're buff you're a tomato can with chains 
on your arms, <laughs> and you got big blades at the end. And then you find the baddies, and you kill them. You pull out their eyeballs. With big eyeballs, because they're gods, and you are here to war. Um, sometimes you take baths with sexy ladies, um, and you do sometimes you hitting... Sometimes you murder said ladies, and it's supposed <laughs> no. to be cool? It's Almost cool? always. Is, is, it, is it cool? Um, and not always cool. <laughs> always a thing you do. Um, and, and quick time events. Who, who can forget those? Um, Sometimes you use the quick time events to kill the ladies because he's a cool guy. <laughs> That's efficiency, folks. Here's, here's the thing. Um, at the time, people loved God of War. You know, it, it felt good. It felt as an action game. It did this great thing where while it is a game about uh, power, it made you feel small. Um, it pulled the camera out really, really, really far, and and here was this diminutive little muscle head Kratos fighting things that were the size of skyscrapers and other buildings, and that was one hell of a magic trick. Um, but how do you do that now? Seems to be the question. And how do you also make it not despicable? Because hey, what is uh? acceptable has changed and why i say what is acceptable what is access acceptable with a certain type of audience i'd say it was unacceptable for a large chunk of people all along um, yeah, it's 2018 we can no longer use like a murdered woman's torso to mm. unlock a door like yeah, that's yeah. no longer a good kratos it's wild it's wild um that was so not a joke by my are... brother by the way folks god of war three look it up <laughs> Look at something, something along those lines. It's blurry in my mind, but I think you, there was a torso-based puzzle. It's blurry because it was traumatic, and your brain has erased much of it. Um, God of War, the new one, uh, made by Corey Barlog. Yeah, that's right. Alone? Yep. One no, man. No, it's I, his one-man sure indie game. It's Balrog really... Balrog, because yeah, sure. that's a whole That's the trap. Um, he was the director, uh, but it's a huge team. A number of the people on the team were part of the team that made uh, God of War 1 and 2. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's not like they just got a whole new squad. No, a lot of these people came back. Uh, they, they looked inwards and said, hmm, I have changed. I am now a parent. Um, they, they did the thing that is awful, but in this case made an okay game of, well, now that I'm a father of a daughter, I too can see um, that you shouldn't be heinous. Um, and they made a really compelling story about fatherhood, about a guy who is grappling with all of these terrible things he's done, about um, how our anxieties and our guilt and uh, the, the pickles we get ourselves into can be passed down to our children, um, even if we don't want them to be. And it made a game about, like, Greek mythology that was interesting and compelling. I think it borrows a lot from Neil Norse Gaiman. mythology. Oh, sorry. Thank you. Well, yes. I mean, not both, gonna. Are we, how how comfortable are we with spoilers? It's been a while. I, I wouldn't right? go. I, I wouldn't still go all the wouldn't. Way. Yeah, I wouldn't okay. do the. Okay. Big okay. One. Well, there's still Greek mythology with him himself. That's yes. fair to say. Yeah. Um. And and yeah and and what uh, and polishes the theme here with AAA. This game is so good at justifying the decisions it makes. Um, whether that is, uh, it's all framed as a one shot, as in the camera never breaks, never cuts away, which keeps you in the zone with these characters. Um, it manages to not have too much tediousness, like that. That in theory could be very tedious. Of well, now we have to follow them as they backtrack. Uh, it, it's very careful about making sure that it 
it gets away with having its cake and eating it too in that way. Um, and even even small stuff again, I won't get into spoilers, but like why there's gold arrows pointing your way throughout the whole world. The, the kind of generic, well, of course, uh, the, the world is communicating to me why I need to move this direction to finish the game. Even that is justified. Um, and emotionally justified in a really smart and affecting way. Uh, it's a game that feels like it was caught in development hell for a long time and mercifully uh, is somewhat the better for it. I don't know how, how it was to work on, so I can't speak to that part. But creatively, I think you can see that they had the opportunity to hone it and you know not just have to go off of the first draft, which I think so many games do because they're on a tight turnaround. This, I mean, we know for a fact when we spoke with uh, the director that they threw away effectively an entire script uh, before going with what what everybody can play now, and it feels like it. It feels like a game that they were they were comfortable scrapping large chunks of in pursuit of a more complete story. Yeah, I. I it also I feels. Feel, does, any, you know, does anybody else we, feel we like Red Dead? We it's been so like, long. It's been ten months since that game came out. I <laughs> like. I remember playing it and thinking, "Well, this is one of the greatest games probably ever made." And now I'm like, "What was so? What was the, for, for me? I, well, what I, if I had to put, put the mechan- mechanically, it's all like." fantastic i mean like, it's it's yeah. it's fantastic you can't fault it i i think what is so as somebody who's like a long time fan of video games and has played them for his entire life I, there is something to me that is so and i if this has ever happened before in in a game please let me know but the idea that you can have a game that is a reboot of a franchise that also like looks at its history and, 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 and is able to say like, these are, these are the mess missteps we made as creators and where like yeah. this story went wrong. And then seeing that reflected, not just by people doing interviews, but like literally in the journey of the main character, like seeing him deal with the things that he has done in the previous three games and seeing like the weight of that, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that any game has ever like taken. It- and that's such a powerful thing with a reboot. You can do that, right? You could say like, "Here's what we got wrong. Here's what we got right. Let's like take another look at it." Um, but rather than forgetting a lot of that stuff or just cutting it out, I think that God of War is one of the only games I can think of where it has the courage to like really take a stark look at it and like really sort of atone for. Uh, it's it's missteps along the way and like allow itself to grow in a way that I think is just uh, fascinating. While, while yeah, also th- still presenting a fucking rad action yeah, game, like, right? So like it's like yeah. it's like we can still make an action game that is not like gross, uh, right? And, and it's also not burdensome. Like you, we talk about we talked about Red Dead being like specifically the last twenty hours just being like pretty brutal to get through, and even though this game deals with those like pretty dark depressing topics it doesn't feel like oh i'm going home i'm gonna sit down and play a dick punch of a game yeah. for 15 mm. hours like this and part of that i'm sorry to use that is pretty <laughs> crass of me but <laughs> um part of that is is the writing for kratos and the storytelling for kratos but also this using this uh, uh this dual dual character mentality where you're constantly dealing with someone who isn't burdened by that or at least not as uh crippled by 
the decisions he's made because he's a kid, right? He's and he's kind of like curious and adventurous and fun loving, and he doesn't understand why his dad is the way he is. So you have this back and forth that makes it much more uh, digestible, whereas ordinarily it would just be like. Oh, why am I, why am I, I doing this? I remember seeing the E3 trailer, the E3 presentation where, the, you know, he's trying to shoot the the deer and he can't do it. And, you know, trying to instantly have that moment between mm-hmm. Kratos and, and his son. And I remember seeing that and, you know, people kind of gushing about it. And I was like, well, that does look nice. How do you keep that going right. over the course of an entire game? And now that I've completed it, they do that so fucking this is the this the pacing of the story and the sort of arcs and valleys of their relationship and how it evolves uh culminating in this like genuinely extremely good ending uh is 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 a really remarkable feat i i think this is this is um yeah this is a good this is a good game i mentioned with um spider-man of you know setting out to make a really polished game but knowing your limitations and your timetable um, and using a lot of the same tools. I think there is a further extreme you could go of that um, with a game that's just all all risk. Uh, and, and that's maybe Red Dead. If I don't think that's all risk. I think it's, it's something else. But this feels like something in the middle where a lot of it is familiar, but the risks it takes, um, it completely nails. Whether that is, you know, having the AI companion that, actually works that actually feels present or um having the one shot open world format um i i think it just it's careful and decisive about where it takes those risks and where it should just kind of stick with what everybody on that team is already good at i will say one knock against it even though it's my own game um it does really well uh growing up it still doesn't know really how to write women. Um, and I'm sure that we will see a lot more of this game. Uh, the fact that we did not get DLC makes me think that we'll see a lot more of it sooner rather than later. Um, and I hope that is a thing that they find ways to solve, you know, probably by bringing women into the writer's room. Um, and I do think this is kind of a weird issue around the industry of dads grew up and now they're making their dad games. Um, but again, there, there'll be more of these games. That is, it's a thing that annoyed me through it, but all in all, it is a game that sticks with me. And like Justin said, it's rare that you have those games, especially story-based games that you are thinking about long after you played. And this is a game that even if I have that moment of, well, I kind of don't remember that, I'll look at an image of it and I'm placed exactly in that spot in the game mm-hmm. and that feel yeah. and what was happening. And just I, I become utterly wowed <laughs> again by all of it. Anytime I see them climbing this snowy mountain, it's just, wow, what a staggering uh, moment yeah. that was in one of many. All right, y'all, uh, we have got to move on. Let's pick a winner out of these four. Uh, it's got it's got a war. Yeah, it's got, got a war. war. Okay, got a war. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's got a war. since we have a little extra time, I'm gonna. Do- I don't want it to be got a war though to win because everybody's giving it to got a war. I want us we'll to see. continue the besties tradition of picking some we'll dumb see. shit. The next round has fucking Tetris in it, so let's see how that goes. Anyway, here's a <laughs> here's a quick halftime. What game 
You can pick any game. This is a very quick halftime because we're running short on time. What game would you pick to get the 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 dad of war treatment? What game needs its dad reboot? Now, I would like to suggest Army of Two, and here it is: Army of Two, and they've got two kids. <laughs> Uh-huh. The kids are wearing masks too, but they're fun, and they uh, like bunny masks. <laughs> like bunny masks, and the kids are the ones that put the tampons in your bullet hole wounds to uh, heal you. And it's army of four because there's mm. two kids. You guys go. Um, <laughs> I would say that. I would say Skyrim, and <laughs> that way all the dragon shouts have to be your ch- your kids sleeping. So you like, <laughs> I just got him to sleep. Come on, please, Fusrona. Um, yeah, man, I wish we had time to talk about Fallout 76 in here. I'm just going to keep peppering it in where it's not appropriate. I know. It's all I want to (laughs) talk (laughs) <laughs> a game in West Virginia you say how exciting for me as a resident can't wait I played I played a lot of it of that super bad game anyway. it's the it's the worst game I liked this year and Red Dead Redemption 2 is the best game I hated uh, what real quick you guys have your dad yeah, games yeah I, I think mine would be mine would be Madden where you're just Howie Long now um, that's good. you have to like wake up every morning and oh it hurts it hurts but then you go on and you, and you pick the wrong teams to win on Sunday and you have to eat like turkey and it's been sitting out in the cold and emeralds there and oh. and he's got a son yeah and, and and that's all you talk about it's like oh you know my kid's doing well oh man miss the good old days though bubble bobble but with kids wait as the bubbles or or the bubbles? No. little monsters There's a little baby dinosaurs that's it that's okay. all i have you know what do god of war again this time the kid has a kid and there's <sighs> now you're a grandpa i've gone terribly oh. awry my son's a teen parent <laughs> boys boy boys boy boy <laughs> boy too. boy junior uh, shit they should have given the boy a name in retrospect who wants to start the th- the third round the first of our the final of our preliminaries uh, a weird round this is going to be. We've, this is going to be weird. We've saved some weird ones. Uh, who didn't? Who has not gone first yet? Um, I did. I go first. No, I, I so. went with Hollow Knight. Yes, yeah, so Russ, somewhere. hit us. Okay, I'll go anyway. Um, okay, so my game is Tetris Effect Two. Um, Tetris Effect. Oh wait, no, no, it's not. Just two, Tetris Effect Two is how many people had it on their list. I do <laughs> yes, apologize for yes. that. Okay, that was a little confusing. Tetris, Tetris Effect. Effect Two is going to be so dope, it's though, gonna guys. Be wicked. Uh, Tetris Effect is it's a puzzle. It's going to be Tetris. I can't wait. Uh, this is a puzzle game where small blocks fall from the sky and you match them up. And if you make lines, the lines disappear and you get points for that. All right. So next up, we're going to be talking. <laughs> uh, so the reason I really like this game is uh, so it was made by uh, the folks that uh, made very cool music games like Lumines and Res. And um, basically the, the and Child of Light. And Child of Light, which I didn't really care for, but oh, you're out of your mind. Um, and what's really cool about this game? No, is well, not Child of Light. What was the what was the Connect game? Child of Eden. Child of Eden. Yes, okay. I apologize. Sure. Um, what was really cool about this game is that it basically integrates like music into Tetris in really interesting ways. Um, basically, it kind of creates like a to call it a visualizer sort of diminishes it in some way, but it makes it a much more like visual and auditory feast when you're playing through a Tetris thing. Um, Each of the um, levels is sort of themed off of 
you know, a, a, a fancy beach or uh, jungle bells or something like that. I love um, fancy beach. Hell fancy yeah, beach fancy. was the best level. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, uh, that was probably of the movies that starred the fat boys. I think fancy beach was probably my favorite. There, there's there's something very weird about Tetris Effect where, uh, as we've talked about, I played Res- uh, Red Dead Redemption for 60 hours this year, and I got more of an emotional lift from playing um, Tetris Effect in about 30 minutes. Like, weird. Uh, part of that has to do with like how brilliant they are in integrating the music uh, as the like music builds and have, uh, what are the kids called? A drop, if you will. Uh, and then... Um, I don't, it's it's such a hard game to talk about. I would never feel comfortable like writing an essay about Tetra Effect, why it works for me. But the, I think the feeling it, that the feeling you get from playing Res, right? That's synesthetic yeah. sort of feel that, like, you got from that, is, and you're bumping with the uh, with the gameplay and stuff like that. You get that, but from Tetris, and because right. Tetris is a game that kind of forces you to dial in, it is a it is what is great about this game is how. Uh, how adept it is at just completely consuming you, especially if you're playing with a PlayStation VR headset, which is, in my opinion, like the best yeah, slash only way to play it. I didn't play it with one. I mean, it, when you play it like that, you actually reach sort of dangerous levels of <laughs> being uh, absorbed by the game. But it is, it is uh, I mean, shit, man, like every game that that Ms. Gucci makes, like yeah. it, is, it, is the, it is the weirdest and most sort of uh mind consuming uh emotional journey game that you go on and it it is it is tetris there's still some tetris in there you know that scene in hackers the movie hackers when they go into like the cool hacker like club and uh what's her name is playing that game on like the giant pro- projection board and it feels like the most futuristic game ever you could throw a Tetris effect up there and it'd be fine. Like yeah. it feels like it's like of another world that this game is, which is very weird because it's Tetris. Um, and I know that there were like gameplay mechanics that were added to Tetris where you could like freeze the block. I never sure. did any of that stuff. Oh really? Is that weird? <laughs> yeah, you kind of you kind of have to use that to. I mean, so, I beat it without that, but okay, I needed it. the 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 thing about this game is it gets so fucking hard that it, it turns me off a little bit. Like just in the journey mode, like yeah. I was vibing to what they were putting down and like losing myself in the music. And then there's certain levels uh, because the the tempo and stuff changes. The speed that the with, with which the blocks drop changes based on the tempo of the music. So there's one sort of like chant that is 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 happening uh and then like there's a drop where now all of a sudden there's all of these like drums like fast-paced like uh you know like bongo drums happening underneath the chant and at that point it goes from like speed three to speed 12 and i fucking fail and it's like well okay (laughs) let's see if i can get back into the vibe like as i play this song again for the fifth time because i can't handle the drop you know russ you talked about a visualizer and i think that you're not far off but it's actually almost the inverse of that in some ways because what I think is really cool is how the music is in a lot of stages is built in part by the movement of the blocks mm-hmm. um, it, I think that makes it a very uh, coherent sort of experience and a, lot, and a lot more immersive which is a wild thing to be saying about Tetris I played this with the uh, VR headset and I turned it on at like 8.30 in the morning and the next thing I knew it was like 9.30, an hour had just like disappeared and I was so deep in. I, I went on this arc from like, man, I'm apparently not very good at Tetris because I like died on the third level. That was really embarrassing too. By the end of it, like 
because of the way working in time with the music and everything makes you feel, I was like the god of Tetris. I, it made me feel like so plugged into the game uh, in a way that like no Tetris has ever made me uh, feel before. I will say that I didn't have a huge, after that first hour, did not have a compulsion to like pick it up again. I don't know what you could uh, ascribe that to. It may just be a lot of games coming out or, or trying to get through a lot of stuff in preparation for this, but uh, like a fascinating sort of thing again like and a, a really cool experience i would say if you can do it in vr like try it because it is uh uh otherworldly yeah the say. pain the pain is that like playstation vr as a platform is for me at least just kind of like a pain in the ass to set up i'm looking forward to it being on like something a little bit easier like oculus i think i'll play a lot more of it uh in vr yeah um also kind of a bummer that there's no local multiplayer and i get it right like if it was designed for for psvr in mind like that would be tough to pull off but like it's a cool game and i want to show it to people but then i can't also play with them at the same time it seems i don't know strange vr man that's the that's the trial yeah well i mean um, you don't have to play it in vr uh yeah that's true um <laughs> i can go next my game that i'm bringing this around is a very recent contender it is Super Smash Brothers Ultimate for the Nintendo Switch. Uh, is that the only Switch uh, like exclusive game that came on out this the year? List that came yeah, out this Switch game on our list. Uh, looks like it. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So you know, it, it the Switch was never going to compete with its launch year because right, they had true, you know yeah. been saving up those big guns for a while. Eh, uh, it could have competed a little bit more. Could have competed a little bit more than it did. I mean, there's no lack of game. I played still. I played the Switch more than any other console this and year, but that was largely because games. of Mario Tennis was not a bad game. I mean, I played good. Celeste. Uh, it wasn't great. Uh, I played Celeste on it. I played a bunch of like I played Hollow Knight on it, and I spent a very long time playing that. But Smash Ultimate just came out uh, earlier this month. And I, I think it's just fucking great. Um, I understand that Smash Brothers is like not everyone's thing. Like there are people for whom like no matter what they do different with Smash Brothers or how much they accomplish, it is still like you're still playing Smash and that's just not something everybody's going to groove on. Um, but I think Smash Brothers Ultimate uh, does two things uh, especially well. The first thing is uh, just the... The r ridiculous, like, scope of it. Uh, every fighter that has ever been in the games, plus some new ones, are there. I think there's 72 playable 74, characters. 74, I think, 74. and then up to 76 if you count the Pokemon as separate characters. Sure, and then with more coming as DLC, including Persona 5's Joker, which is <laughs> fucking wild and the coolest thing ever. Uh, there's over 100 stages for you to play. You can customize the game however you want to, whether it's you know setting the rules for a match all the way up to uh, handicapping specific characters in your roster so like if you play with your friends a whole lot and captain falcon is too strong you can like go into the menu and turn captain falcon down a little bit oh, like that is how that. that is how granular that is uh and so once you get into it once you unlock everything which can be a pain point which i'll talk about in a bit um you just feel like you have this infinite toy box of like possibilities which yeah. i think is so like uh, full circle for this franchise because the original game on nintendo 64 like the opening scene is you know the hand pulling a toy out of the toy box and, and dropping it down so you get the feeling i guess the lore of that game is these are toys that have come to life and they are battling and the final boss is you know the hand that controls them all the way up to you know this game that has a much weirder storyline wait are which, you the final boss then are you the hand 
It's uh, I don't know. Whoa, whoa! Uh, just just the the scope of this game is is ridiculous. I uh, I I have only played uh, some multiplayer. Uh, Russ and I had like three or four in a row. Yeah, nail nail biter like screaming finish matches that were all like so 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 fun. Like uh, I don't it's know. It's pretty like, amazing. I mean, Griffin being I, in Texas and me being in New York, like it felt like we were on the same couch together. One one v one. However, I, from what I understand with more players it gets it definitely yeah. drops off and also it's it's kind of tough to get into the exact type of lobby that you want to get into so like if you don't want to play with items it can be tough to anyway just just me and Russ going against each other just playing the game was super super fun because we were really evenly matched uh and every match was like super super close uh i played it here at my place with a, a, f- a few people for you know like 15 20 minutes uh we didn't have a lot of time to play but like it proved to be like really fun so looking at all the stuff you have available to you and thinking about like i'm going to be playing this game for a very long time because just because of the sheer amount of stuff in it i just um, don't think there's ever been a multiplayer game that has this much just raw content in it it has and over like 800 songs and that's not an exact 24 six, hours of music in the game it's it's absolutely wild uh they have songs from the most obscure shit ever um and speaking of which the other thing i really really like about the game is something that i think a lot of people also don't like which is the single player mode which is world of light uh world of light sort of uh heavily focuses on the spirit system which are basically uh you know stickers or something like that that are modeled after characters from uh nintendo games and third party games uh across the whole of time uh there are characters from uh obscure NES Famicom games that never came out in in the States and dropped over there in like 1986 and nobody knows who they are all the way up to, uh, you know, games that came out this year have have spirits and each one sort of either uh, gives you a passive benefit or sort of establishes what your fighters stats are. It's attack and defense and stuff like that. And the way that you unlock those and the way that you can unlock actual playable characters is in World of Light, where you're dropped in on sort of a uh, game, a uh, board game board sort of think of it that way. That you can it's move like a world map, like a world map that you move through nodes, and you can choose you know different branching paths. Sometimes there are obstacles where you can't move forward until you unlock a spirit that can help you get past that. So, for instance, there are broken bridges, and the only way that you can like fix them is by finding a spirit that can fix them. Which for me was the llamas from Animal Crossing: New Leaf that build furniture. <laughs> like they were the ones that yeah. could unlock that for me. Um, and so you go throughout this board, and you do these these fights, and you fight uh, other actual playable characters, and that's how you unlock them and uh it is i don't know man 20 25 hours maybe 30 if you really stretch it out of stuff there's new game plus mode what is so cool about this mode and what kept me like completely hooked on it is the spirits are modeled after these different characters throughout you know other other games uh but the the lore of world of light is these spirits inhabit the actual like playable characters that you are familiar with. Um, so for instance, it can be Birdo. Is that the thing from? Yeah, that spits eggs. And spits yeah. eggs. Uh, maybe it's inhabiting, uh, you know, Mario. 
Um, and so what, what that fight looks like is informed by what like Birdo actually does. So first of all, maybe Mario's outfit is like, maybe there's a pink variant of it. And so he kind of looks a little bit more like Birdo and then you get into the fight and maybe he has different, you know, maybe he has different rules, uh, in the Birdo fight. just exclusively throws eggs. Right. Like maybe eggs spawn and you can like fire those off. Maybe Birdo is Yoshi and Yoshi just does his egg attack. There's a swamp spirit and you fight Kirby, but Kirby only only does his down attack which turns him into a weight that comes down on you uh there is uh like a big the cat one where you fight uh incineroar who is this new big cat uh character who has a skin that looks fucking exactly like big the cat like (laughs) there's there's every single fight is some representation of what that character actually does in the games that they stem from. And they get so fucking clever with how they realize these, these like 1600 characters viewed through the lens of super smash brothers mechanics and seeing like playing through that game and seeing like, Oh, uh, what, what are they going to do with this character? Like, how are they, how are they going to realize, uh, you know, Dialgia from, from Pokemon or, um, I'm I'm now blanking because there's so like Dr. Wily. The Dr. Wily fight is you fight against Mega Man you, who has like eight different versions that drops down and then you fight Dr. Mario who is Dr. Wily. It's a super fucking tough fight because you have to fight yeah. the eight robot masters and then Dr. Wily like there and, and and it does that hundreds of times throughout the campaign. Um, I also really like unlocking shit, which I think a lot of people don't. Like I was disappointed when the last Smash came out and just like everybody was already there for you to play with. I like the progression cycle of unlocking new characters and then I unlock somebody and play with them for a while to get to know them. Um, I, I, I think that stuff is great. And that's yeah, all I, World of Light is. Yeah, I wasn't, I, I actually agree. I, I like the fact, I know there's like people that run tournaments and, and want to invite people over, but I think even the people that like are having friends over and want to have a bunch of characters, because you're unlocking characters just by playing the game, right? you'll have those moments where like four people are playing and you beat the match and then it's like, oh shit, uh, Dark Samus just showed up and yeah. now somebody has to fight and beat Dark Samus. And if you do, then Dark Samus is unlocked. So it becomes like a multiplayer event where everyone's like rooting for this one that person. That chase is great. That chase is yeah. so great. I don't, I do, I, obviously this fucks over tournament organizers and I get that and they'll probably patch in some sure like, they'll patch it, way, yeah. to, way to unlock them all. But like for everybody else, man, like it's, it's cool to unlock shit. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of shit to unlock. Um, uh oh. I would, I would, I would just, okay. It, it doesn't really matter what I think because I don't. <laughs> I don't understand how to play Smash Brothers. I don't get it. And it's a weird <laughs> blind spot for me. I press buttons and something happens usually. Mm. But I don't know what how to play Smash. I really don't. And I've like played other fighting games, not like competitively, but like I'll play through the campaign or whatever. I can't figure out how to make these little idiots do anything. (laughs) They squat, 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 fall. It's ridiculous. I don't understand how to play Smash Bros. Well, are you just pressing the down button? Because that could be an issue. (laughs) No, it's like it's. I just don't understand how to play this game. I got a trick for you. This is a. This is me being sincere. It's not a goof. Turn on the game, right? And then the like the the intro screen comes on, and don't touch anything. Just wait for like a minute, and a tutorial video shows up. It's extremely helpful. It's very well, that, helpful. that would be great. Um, that would be that would be amazing because I can't figure out how to play this game. Anyway, I did get it because uh, I thought that it would be cool for my daughter. Uh, she's four, and I, I knew she wouldn't like get it, but we could sure. like one v one and and have some fun that way. Um, and th- when I started the game, there are no uh, female characters at all. Huh? Uh, uh, it's the eight. It's the eight. No, nope. Samus. Nope. It's not the eight. 
It's the original eight, and it's Samus the original is in eight that. that you can play. As. She Samus does, is okay, in she doesn't know Samus is a woman. Well, you like, can tell I'm her. Not, I'm gonna spoil Metroid for my daughter. <laughs> my daughter. Yeah, Russ. Yeah, Russ. I guess so, bud. No, I. I, I That's I, fair. Like, that is fair. Care, she likes the prince. She likes the the you know the princesses from the Mario games yeah. and like well th- you that's tell really- her you tell her 10 hours into this like right, sometimes exactly. very punishing uh I, I i i totally fully get it i remember i was talking to russ because russ polygon you know got a copy of this before uh i i did and i was very curious like is it good and he was like i don't know if you're gonna actually like the story mode it's a lot of like grinding and unlocking shit and like getting stickers that change your stats and i was like that's exactly my shit and i get that people you know not not liking that i think that this game you know is going to be controversial for like the mlg community uh not mlg what the fuck am i talking about like the the evo community right but like maybe it shouldn't be specifically for that it's certainly that is not what like nintendo is thinking about i just I, i got mario party earlier this year the new the new mario party and we played it twice i think and it was fun but it's mario party this is like the local multiplayer game that i'm like really stoked to put some more time into I just wish it was. I wish they had made some nods towards a, a bit more, fewer more nods towards accessibility. Like I would have sure. loved to get get deep into it. I just like couldn't couldn't do it. I'll it, watch it's, this. Apparently, it's, there's a video that's helpful. There's so many modes. It's wild that there isn't anything that like kind of onboards yeah. you a little bit better. But yeah, that's Smash. It's not going to work. Okay. Next up, uh, I can go. Uh, Return of the Oberdin. This is mm. a sequel to mm-hmm. Oberdin. This is the most uh, Justin game I think I've seen in years. Oh yama God. yama! I had to I had to fucking pull you into this game, kicking and screaming. Well, I was playing. I had to finish all eighty hours of my vegetables <laughs> of Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> this, these two games came out at the same time, and I remember I was playing a little bit of Oberdin, killing time while Red Dead Redemption Two downloaded, and then Red Dead Redemption Two finished downloading, and I said, "Nah, I'm gonna finish <laughs> Oberdin," and it was the best choice I've ever made in my fucking life. Yeah, it's okay. Oberdin is essentially a murder mystery on an incredibly large scale if you've ever done one of those uh logic puzzles you know there's three people and they live in these different colored houses and you make the grid that you put x's through well these people don't live next to each other so i know it can't be the two of them uh that is very much the central mechanic of uh return of the Oberden. it is uh you're an insurance adjuster who is brought on board this <laughs> ship this sounds like uh, the worst game ever i, know, I love right. it but uh, you're an interesting adjuster brought aboard this ship. I think Lucas Pope just can't have like he has, he has a like anti-hero, like yeah. literal anti-hero <laughs> protagonist. Um, but you brought on board this ship to figure out uh, why uh, no one is on it anymore. How's that? <laughs> and a, a lot of the people have died uh, on the ship, and the way that you sort of unspool the mysteries anytime you find a corpse. You can use this stopwatch that lets you go back in time to the exact moment of this person's death. When you arrive on the ship, you're equipped with a, uh, what's the word? Roster? Manifest. Manifest, thank you. Manifest of everybody who was on the ship and their jobs and their nationality. And you also have pictures of everybody uh, who is on the ship. But you don't have is the names of those people 
So the game, it, or uh, obviously the you cause do of have death, the names. You you do have the names. You just don't right, know who matched, is who. Right. Right. You don't have the names matched with the uh, picture, the images, the person. So themselves. the game is very much about going back through and watching these uh, the exact moment of their death to try to unearth whatever clues you can about the person's identity. Um, in each scene, uh, uh, almost every scene, you get a little bit of dialogue before, and that can be a huge clue. You know, it, you could hear someone refer to someone else as sir, right? And and that can help you start to determine their rankings. They can speak, one of the big ones is they'll speak in a foreign language. And you think, okay, well, there's definitely at least two Russian guys in this scene, because I hear two Russians speaking to each other. So that, that uh, helps me narrow it down. And the clues get like more obscure. There's like looking at someone's shoes to see if they match this other thing. And like uh, a little bit of trial and error sometimes. Although I don't think you have to rely on that, but it, it does uh, help so, you through some more challenging roles. To, Every hop, time you to, to hop in, uh, speaking about trial and error, the way that, they, that Lucas has solved for that is there's so many fucking brilliant solves for making this new kind of genre of game work. The way that they solve for trial and error is uh, correct solutions are only sort of uh, identified in groups of three. Mm -hmm. And so that, that keeps you from just like putting in random shit until you get one locked in because the odds of you doing that three times are super, super unlikely. That is such a brilliant, brilliant mechanical solve for what could have been a problem that would just like shut this game down instantly. There's also something really interesting. And when when you, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Russ. I was going to say, there's something really interesting about the way the game, the difficulty scales, where you play through the first time and you like experience all the scenes and you're like, oh, that guy called that other guy Jeff. So we know that guy's name is Jeff. And you're like, you feel like pretty smart. Yeah, I'm rocking this stuff. <laughs> and then you're like, wait, all the scenes have played out and I've recognized no one. Like I have 6% of the manifest filled. And then you really have to, as Justin said, start to look at like these tiny little details that you really did not see the first time through. And a lot of times if they feel like a hunch, like a lot of times they're not like laid out right in front of you, but it's like, you know what? This guy's really hanging out with this guy all the time. Like they're always hanging out together. I bet. There's a lot of like, well, this person is this rank and they probably wouldn't be here ever. Right. Like it wouldn't be in this part of the ship. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of deductive reasoning that, gradually 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 pulls together making assumptions about who could be doing what and where they should be based off of their professional rank on the ship when you do get three people nailed down the the what Russ is talking about that moment where you're like i don't know who anybody is i don't know what anything is i'm completely lost when you start to dig out of that and like get three i'm not sure i've experienced anything more satisfying in a video game this year than this game telling me like, hey, you got those three locked in. They're printed in the book now. They're not just handwritten. They're printed there so you know that this is true. This is fact. Uh, and and being able to nail those and starting to sort through uh, those is like incredibly cool. We haven't even talked about the aesthetic, which oh is God. sort of like a <clears throat> patterned after classic PC, you know, sort of like Mac, Apple uh, uh, and and other classic PCs. He, did, he describes like it as it. one. He describes it as one bit art style because it's it's huh. just black or white, and it's or depending on if you change but it to a, the different filters. But it's a three D game. We should. It's mention. a three D yes. game. It's, it, right. R- right. It really changes the 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 whole thing. And like, I I am someone who uh feels like the retro art style is uh 
way, way, way overdone. And like, hey, we know it's cheaper. We all get it. Like we're on, we're on to you that this is not always a creative decision. This, in this game, it feels fresh. It feels new. Um, and it, and it, it is, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I have trouble finding fault with it. I mean, it is, I think it is a incredible experience. I, it was maddening. It, there were, when, until I finished it, it was sort of like all I could think about was like this, this game. And it really does. I think, you know, plant mentioned the difficulty with going back into hollow Knight after being away for a while. I think that this is a game where you should plan to like try to play it as close to one sitting as you can. And I don't think mm. you're, you know, one sitting would be a huge ask. And, and I definitely did not do that, but like in as short a time span as possible, because there's a lot of this stuff that you don't even realize you're absorbing, you know what I mean? Until, and, and sort of key, knocking around your head. I, I didn't take any notes or anything. I just sort of, uh, watched and, and paid attention, but like, there's a lot of that stuff that you, I think would lose if you tried to spread it out over too many different, uh, plays. But I thought it was, uh, absolutely wonderful i really the, adored it the reason this might actually be my game of the year my favorite video game of 2018 now that i think about it is because i genuinely believe it it has established a new genre altogether and it has it's done i calling this an adventure game is such a like bad way to describe it but it's it's kind of the best parlance we have to to describe it it is like it's a it is a mystery game and a, a it is the best and one of the only like true detective games oh it's true detective season three it's you <laughs> and a boat uh and no like, i think it is a mystery game in a way that like almost no other mystery quote unquote mystery game is right yeah. like there there are games that are about um <clears throat> finding clues and even the sherlock holmes games are not necessarily always about this level of deduction they're much more about finding clues and piecing them together and and eliminating possibilities i think this is one of the very few true mystery games and yeah and that's awesome and i would play a hundred like right. the only thing i can equate this to is the first time we did uh and this was like a few years ago and this was, it was still hot and fresh and new we did an escape room uh and i left that thinking like i would do that Every night, like I would do a different one of those every night. This is an exciting, new, fun, engaging thing that I've never done before. And mm -hmm. I, I, I'm going to think about it. And that's like, that's what I think about Oberden. I would play so many fucking games like this. And it's so incredible whenever you see like a new genre kind of get birthed like this. And this one does it so like so so well it is all uh, it was all i could think about while i was playing it and then i finished it and now i still do think about it a lot and i it, this is the game that more than any other i've been recommending to people this year because yeah. i i just think it's fucking stellar i think fresh Chick and i were talking about this where this game has been in development for so long and and took uh, i think a number more years than its creator lucas pope thought it would and it feels like a game that uh <laughs> when he found what the thing was that maybe I would love to know for sure, but maybe it moved a lot faster to like actually create. And by that, I mean, when you play through this game, the game itself doesn't feel like a game that took years to make. Um, the actual, like the, the graphics that you see, um, the visuals, yada, 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 but figuring out the mystery and then figuring out, I don't know how you would QA this game. Like, yeah. You, every, every person who plays it needs to be new, I guess. 
Um, and and how do you uh, with a detective game? I get why you know so many games haven't tried this. Of how do you find that balance of trusting the player to figure it out um, versus just guaranteeing that they will and, figure it and out? And just the amount the. <sighs> The different ways that it is rare that I look at a game anymore and think like, how did you do this? But I definitely think that with this game where it's like the number of different ways you could have been misleading unintentionally or like mm-hmm. given incorrect clues or or whatever is staggering. I mean, the fact that it hangs together is absolute madness. To it's me. We, we haven't like said the number and it's not really a spoiler it's 60 people it's 60 people over the course of several dozen scenes like that's so many fates to figure out it's so many clues to make sure don't overlap aren't too obvious aren't too hard aren't too confusing don't contradict each other like it's it's it is so good there must be a crazy whiteboard in his house <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can't even imagine show me the what's our what's our last game Oh, ah. <laughs> Plant. It's, it's sort of an anticlimactic. Yeah. Chris, Chris Plant's an- Assassin's Creed Listen, Odyssey. It's not going to win. I'll make it quick. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is quite a bit like Assassin's Creed Origins, but in my opinion, better. It gets rid of some of the things that worked well in Origins, but it adds enough that uh, I think Origins is the release- British one. No, no Origins, Origins no. is uh, uh, ancient the, Egypt. The ancient Egypt. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think the the storytelling is really interesting. I think it is almost too complex. There are so many systems in this game. You really are not figuring out um, large chunks of the game until 20 or 30 hours in. Um, I think the best chunk of the game is these uh, assassination of cultists that you have to the, figure out, I guess. And it gradually reveals... It is very much the... The AAA version of uh, Oberdin, and that there's a mystery, <laughs> and you solve it by just killing uh, people <laughs> on the map. Um, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. It finally breaks free from all of the obligations of the Assassin's Creed series. Uh, Origins started this, obviously, by changing the combat style to be slightly more action RPG, slightly more Dark Souls, slightly more Zelda. Um, but this game, its upgrade system just turns you straight up into a god. Uh, you are jumping off of the highest building possible. You no longer have to worry about breaking your legs. You're firing. Are you talking you about know. the skills or, like, the equipment? Both. Okay. <laughs> um, the equipment also gets wacky, but the skills, I mean, you are just super-duper powerful. You can fire a volley of fire arrows into the air that just uh, slaughter whatever is in your way. Um, it's a lot more fun. I think part of this is because it really leans into mythology. I, the, the core idea of the original Assassin's Creed of, you know, this historical tourism was really promising, but as the game became more conspiracy theory focused and focused on its own weird tech and its own mythology, um, it, it had already taken a weird step away from history that, it, it, it that loyalty no longer benefited the game, um, especially as it focused more and more on combat. So I think just kind of cutting ties with okay, this is we're trying to create realistic fictional world or realistic historical worlds versus oh, we're going to create these pseudo mythological versions of history um, is a really good pivot for them. I don't know like what they do from here. This feels it's so big that it. 
feels like a game that maybe they should do one of these every three years, but I kind of get the sense that they won't. Um, it does have some issues. I wrote about how it's better, at least in my opinion, for somebody who wants to get to those abilities much sooner, that if you play for the XP boost, you can get straight to the fun parts. Um, it's Which a sucks. shame that that's just not part of the game. Uh, yeah. what, what did you have, Juice? He said it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. The game I mean, that, or the it boost? sucks that you no, have to no, pay the XP boost thing. The, I mean, I, mean, the, the, I, I don't really think you have to. I think the game's still fun even if you don't. I just wish it was... I wish there was a toggle in certain games that was like, hey, I really want to, you know, pace this for 80 hours, or I want to pace this for 40. The, the pushback, I would say, actually, that is frustrating, and this is, like, nitpicky, but um, if you do the XP boost, and I did, because I, I, in the same way, I, I heard it was more fun, and, I, and I, I did it, and I don't regret it, but the enemies scale to your level, so you're leveling up much faster, and the enemies are leveling up much faster as well, but the... Uh, your gear to upgrade it to the level that you need it to match your experience level uh, gets prohibitively expensive very quickly. And you're, it is outpaced because it's not balanced for that. Mm. You're yep. gaining levels quicker than you can upgrade your gear. So it ends up like you're you're playing with bad stuff because you don't have the money because let's, your level is so interesting. high. I, let's I talk about... Have... Let's oh, talk about... Can we talk about gear? Because this is what I tried to bring up earlier. Can we fucking talk about gear? And God of War, get back in here. God of War, sit down. Guys, like, not every AAA, like, action game or character action game has to have fucking Diablo, Borderlands, Destiny-ass loot systems. I cannot tell you how much that put me off this game of, like, oh, a, a chess piece just dropped that brings the numbers up. A little bit. Cool. Let me toss it. Oh, blue shoes. Don't mind if I like <laughs> you don't fucking need that for this game. Like it, 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 it seeing that stuff. It got a war. Like it's very good that the rest of that game was incredible because I just didn't give a shit. You found an orange gym. Better slot that into your gloves. Like so, I, so you can the guy who just enthused over collecting Pokemon stickers. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a that's a completely different. It, it, that game is kind of like built for that. These 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 character action games like aren't. Like, I don't, so much shit drops in this game. So much shit drops in this game that I felt myself, like, it felt like a job. And not only that, like, you would get stuff that is higher level than you currently are. So it's like, oh, I'll remember to put that helmet on when I level up in the next 15 minutes. And then I don't, like, it. That the the gear system in this game, and to a, a slightly lesser extent, God of War, like, is yeah. just, stop, guys, uh, we don't need it. Also, just want to say, uh, best uh, protagonist uh, For of sure. any Assassin's Creed game ever Unless you pick the guy, in which case, I don't know, he seems kind of whack. But Cassandra is uh, outstanding, best best protagonist the series has ever had. Um, and uh, really, really, really... I, I love this game. I, it felt like uh, it is the least Assassin's Creed game I think that has ever held, held the title. <laughs> that includes, like, mobile games. But uh, I, I, I thought it was outstanding it's fun. I didn't finish Origins, and I played this for dozens of hours and finished it. It's of all the open worlds to probably the place I most enjoyed being in. Like, hmm. it's just a really colorful, beautiful, the, the music is great, the sound is great, the conversations with people are so weird. The NPCs in this game, Colin Campbell wrote about it, they're just some of the weirdest. Um, I don't know why they took the route they did, but you're constantly getting in weird conversations. Uh, you're given so many opportunities with Cassandra to just be this weird kind of like 
predatorial almost like sex um, sex oh, addict yeah it's it's a it's such a weird game um yeah. and i love how weird it is and i love how silly it gets with the historical figures that you do come in contact it's with. so much more approachable than like the first f- four assassin's creed sort of uh need to be a little serious a little serious we gotta save it from the templar it's like nah man just like i want to fuck aristotle Let's do it. <laughs> um, I miss the silly out of game stuff, by the way. I thought the out of game stuff here was very dull. And I miss, uh, especially around four, Black Flag. I think it really peaked where you're like yep. working at a video game developer. Fantastic. Uh, what do we think is the best game of this round, y'all? Oberdin uh, by a Country Mile. Yeah, yeah. I gotta agree. Um, okay. Yeah. So this is, this is it then. <clears throat> I just got just one minute, just one minute, because there's been someone that's been staying with me for a while and he just wanted to take two minutes just to. Holy. So hold on one second. Yeah. 2018 gets worse and worse. Oh my God. I was sitting here thinking, who is it actually? Because I thought this is going to be a real thing. Uh huh. Hello, it's me, New York Giraffe. What's up, guys? (laughs) He turned British. He got British. Is that British or Australian? What? What do you mean? Oh, yes. Yes, I've been traveling the world a bit. It's the same old New York draft, but but this is me now. No, it's British and Australian. Awesome. Well, to be honest, I've uh, uh, you know lots of hostels, lots of uh, uh, bumming this is around. Host- on, this is hostel. What Russ is doing trains. right now is hostel. <clears throat> and uh, but you know, same old guy, same old chap who likes um, uh, bagels with uh, Vegemite and, and usual usual stuff like that. So <laughs> no worries. How you been? How, how you guys been? <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> Cheerio. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did he leave? Did he leave? Yeah. Wait, he left. Is that the secret? If we just don't say it, Justin. So Justin DM'd me and Chris on Slack and said, "Don't say anything else. Let him dangle," um, which is a fun new way of improv. But I didn't know if you don't. He's, he's like a T Rex. If you don't move, New York Giraffe will just wander off. Oh, he, oh, he's back. Cheerio! All right, New York Giraffe. We have we have literally twenty minutes before our heart out. So this podcast is going to be at the very max twenty minutes longer. What it, what do you think was game of the year? This is not can- canon. Not canon. Let's see, game of the year, game of the year. Well, I did want to mention Brexit for one thing. I have very strong feelings about that, specifically regarding how they feel about pizza and bagels in Brexit. It hasn't come up yet, but I do want to know whether the taxes will convert for the euro versus... Did you really go to these places, New York Giraffe? Yes. New York Giraffe. You can't lie to me. I always know. Um, Well, here's the thing, guys. Here's the deal. I watched a lot of Downton Abbey... Okay. It turned I, out that was no longer the cultural moment. So I watched Call of the Midwives. I watched a lot of that. And I watched uh, Mrs. Uh, she had a, like a detective agency. So I watched a lot of that. And I thought just on those, I'd uh, seem a little, uh, you know, more uh, international. Yeah. I'd have uh, more, more feelings, more opinions. Maybe, um, we just, maybe we'd just call you Giraffe. Yeah, I guess. I don't know what that does for my branding overall. But personally, I, I don't know. I, I think I seem more erudite. I know you can't see, but I'm wearing glasses now. 
Um, I've got, you know, those, you know, those jeans that people wear in Europe and you're like, oh, that guy's from Europe because he's wearing those jeans. I've got those jeans. I need nice. two pairs to make it mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, but still same old guy. Uh, can you solve the age old riddle of how the jeans look on a, a four legged hooved animal? Do they I go mean, over the, do they cover the butt or just sort of the no, bottom? No, it's just it? legs. It's just legs. I okay. need a large we'll put that one to tarp bed. for the top cool. part. Okay, oh. so, well, well we, this we do really have very limited time to figure out what the game of the year is going to be. So, do you, do, is there anything else? I think it's going to be pretty easy. Okay, well, we'll see. But anything else, giraffe? Mm, uh-huh. No, that's about it. Okay. okay. Cheerio. Cheerio. Uh, anything you want to, lo- any final sort of, uh, I really want more now, actually. Okay. Uh, okay. What, what do you want from me? What, what questions you got? Just sort of, uh, just sort of your favorite, ca- your famous catchphrase. Give me that as you leave the room. Hey, yo. It's me, New York Giraffe. And that's Cheerio. what he says as he back. Okay, it's all yeah, it's all of it. So So I feel like It's into the breach, God of War or Obra Din for right. our final. I feel like Into the Breach, since it squeaked through the first round, is probably not going to hang with these other two games. Is that a fair (sighs) thing to say? I don't think so, because I think Hollow Knight, if it had made it in here, would also be a strong contender, like for me, like looking at these at these games and what I got out of them. Um, I I I have a I have like pretty strong feelings about one of them. Okay, I don't know how you all are, are. Before you say like what it is, do you guys have strong feelings about one of these three games? No. Justin. Uh, I have... <sighs> I mean, I like them all. Uh, can Chris. I say, this never happens. I, I would be happy with all three. Honestly, I think any of those three games would be fantastic. I, I would be happy with all three. I think Obradin for me is a clear winner. Yes. Obradin is the clear winner for me as well. It is the game that I like surprised me the most, that I think is the most uh satisfying is the most like exciting for the future is like the game that i have by far recommended to more people and gotten them into i i think i was really torn before we got started between those like six games i think over 10 is it for me hmm. yeah so uh, for me it's between god of war and Oberdin. um god of war why i like it and am considering it is just because it's just like such a overall overarching every single point that they try to do they nail um Oberdin, why it edges it out in ways is mostly just from uh, just the like execution certainly but more originality standpoint this is not a thing that i've ever experienced in my life so that's it. That's like God of War is very a, it, God of War cool. is almost perfect, right? It's an extremely good game. Oberdin is also so like if that's not going to be the metric by which I measure them, like Oberdin is the one that excited me more this year. Yeah, Oberdin is probably going to be the game that I think about five years down the road. I think God of War, given the fact that it's going to have multiple sequels, I'll, I mean, I'll still think fondly on it, but I don't know that it's going to have the like uh, impact in terms of like game like long term on me that maybe Oberdin did. There was an interesting thing I experienced with Oberdin uh that I talked about that moment of satisfaction that you experience. Um and what I'm what I was realizing thinking back on it was that it was also tinged with sadness because there was like less of it. Like as yeah. I started to get two thirds the way through, I started thinking like, man, I hope I don't solve all these like very quickly because I don't want this to be over. Like, I don't want there to be no more of this for me to do. Cause like my brain 
you know, chemistry, right? Like the dopamine of it was like hitting me so hard that I just wanted to keep playing it. I wanted there to be more. I want the next one like right now. I would log off of the call. Like I, I, yeah, I it's, sure. you know, I, 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 and when I finished God of War, I was like completely satisfied. I think it's a fantastic game, top to bottom. But like, it didn't leave me. A set. We told a, a friend of ours to play it, and she told us uh, on a call this morning, Griffin and I, that she had finished it. And I ha- told her like genuinely, like congratulations, like fantastic, good work. Like, because it it feels that way. It feels like yeah, you've really done something. Like you've really achieved something with your intellect when you finish Oberdin. Is that is it unanimous? Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, mean, I think I Russ is the only. I, Hollow Knight would have been my game of the year, but I realized that it did not make it. So out of these, I mean, I don't know that it matters. No, it does. I, I think it would be. Would I, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are because I, I, I'm staunchly for it. It sounds like Justin and Chris are leaning Oberden. Yeah, I'm down with that. Oberden. There it is. The final besties, <laughs> Goaty. Congratulations. The final one. The last episode, last besties. Oh, and we should also it. mention that um, all the other games that we didn't pick for Game of the Year were bad games, and you shouldn't like them. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't waste any time with God of War sucks. Shit. Um, <laughs> I don't even agree with that, really. I think there's lots of good games that wow. came out this year. Wow, bold stance. All right, so 2019, so we, hey, listen, we, do- we, we got a little bit of time to talk about Fallout 76. Let's just do, <laughs> we got, listen, we wrap that up quick, so let's let, let's just spend five minutes talking about Fallout 76. Holy shit, this is fucking Holy thing. shit. Uh, I played a lot of it, because I played it with, like, f- uh, some friends from, like, West Virginia. Like, we yeah. actually spent a few nights, like, actually digging in and exploring. One thing I will say about that game, to its credit, is while other sort of multiplayer games kind of gate you off from shit, uh, that one doesn't really do that too much like i hopped in travis was online he was in camden park which was like on the other side of the map from the starting area where i still was and he was like come on over and i was able to just instantly teleport to where travis was and boom like now i'm in camden park like unfortunately once you were there you didn't have a lot to do then you had to play uh then you yes then you had to play fallout 76 um i don't know there's there's something about like the isolation of it that does feel very wastelandy but uh for me I, I i got pretty i got to like level 35 or so in that game i played more of it than it deserved uh and then i just started hitting bugs that kept me from like completing quests and shit and i realized like i am struggling through this game mindfully and it is not like it is not giving me anything in return it is not meeting me halfway at all and i i bailed heartbreaking heartbreaking game do you feel like it represents west virginia well justin yes do you feel like it represents west i think it does too i think it does a pretty cool cool job of condensing down like some of the the less like talked about less uh sort of stereotypical shit about the state that you that you know never gets represented in media and there is definitely like a i think the spirit of the state is actually captured really well by the idea of reclamation day like this idea of Stick to itiveness being indefatible, I guess. I, I don't know the exact word I'm looking for here, but the, the idea that like you're going to go out and like make a life for yourself despite all odds is like very West Virginia. Uh, and I, and I think that that is cool. And they, they did not fall on a lot of, um, 
tropey, gross. I don't. I don't think they fell on it. I will give I mean, them like, that. Like, any, not, like yeah. no redneck. You know, no, come try and steal my gun. Of course, there are no humans, so it would mm. be difficult no for them to accomplish that. At all. There's a, there's a sense of exploration that I really liked about that game, like finding a a, a a cave that is like this minor museum and like just exploring it. And yeah. It's bad gameplay while you're in there, and there's virtually zero payoff for doing it. Um, but it just like exploring those my, places was my fun. prediction. By the way, in a year, uh, it will be. I think it'll be a really strong thing. I, 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 I. My hope is at least that in a year it will be uh, a much improved product if they if they stick with it. I don't know if the la- I, the launch was so disastrous that maybe they're just going to cut ties, but. Um, if they stick here's with it, the, I think they could make something he, very cool. Here's the issue, is that um, the Fallout games have never been good action games, and this essentially has to be played it's, like an action game, yeah. and there is no way around that. I don't know how you fix that problem, Yeah, but... Uh, I can't believe this is how we're ending our Game of the Year podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just, I just wanted to... I didn't, we didn't get no, to talk about so it all rare. year. Yeah, yeah I, know. I know. We have to talk about everything. Um, 2019, what are y'all stoked for? I don't know what's coming. What's coming? Last of Us Two. Last of Us Two. Kingdom Hearts Three. Obviously. Cracked. Animal Crossing Switch. Yes. Let's go ahead and give it to that. Let's go ahead and do besties next, and then we can take a year off, go on sabbatical, explore, just ride the year rail. What do y'all think? Anthem. Huge disappointment or extremely good? I mean, I don't know that it's a disappointment as much as I don't know that the stakes are even there for like in enthusiasm right now it i seems would, like passive I would, I would bet money on it being just kind of okay and for like an online game that has to like hook you in for forever yeah uh, that's not gonna cut it and it's gonna fail and then bioware is gonna die yeah i feel like them thing. i feel like them coming out and being like oh but more more dragon age just around the corner is them like <laughs> they they've been put under hostage uh and they've you know shouted out the address of the building so now they have some <laughs> sort of like defense uh yeah i don't it know looks man. Good. I, 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 I division got, might be good i got four four real oh, quick boy. resident evil 2 is the very obvious one yes it's going to be very 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 good um noita which is like a physics oh, experiment yeah. crossed with game. spelunky is exceptional um spelunky 2 obviously oh, yes is going to be uh very good baba is you will be oh, the puzzle that game, game makes me feel dumb of next year um there are so many good good games oh and uh hey remember kentucky route zero that game that we brought year after year after year it ends what about next it? year that might have been can't that, believe did it that win the first yet. year that might have won the first year. I think it look, came close. Looking at close. looking at 2019, it look. I mean, right now it looks pretty good. Like there's a lot of good stuff. It looks like due out. No Switch games, obviously, but hey, that's them's the breaks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's gonna do. <laughs> that's gonna do it for us, folks. This week on the best besties, make sure to join us again next year so, for the besties. Hey, subscribe. Hey, like, subscribe. Yeah, smash you. that subscribe. like. If you can leave a review on iTunes, that this may not even make it on. <laughs> 
It'll be there. <laughs> this I may promise. not. No, listen, this may not make it on iTunes. If that's the case, just leave a review for Besties on some other podcast that you like very much. Uh, we, pay, we pay it forward here on Besties. Uh, McElroy.family is our new website that Griffin and I made with Fox. If you could go check that out we, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, I would appreciate that. Russ and Chris, is it okay if we talk about our website? We didn't even you know, speak yeah, about that it. before. Okay. So that's it. Didn't you just do that? It's a good destination for <laughs> content. Um, no, can I, I ask can a I, question I, about the website? Yeah. So they made hats that say the McElroy family, right? Sure. And if you wear those hats, sure. I get it. Yeah. But when other people wear those hats, frauds? Uh, yes. Honorary oh. members, I guess. Um, oh. um, I, I just wanted to say, like, Justin and I left the Polygon in April, I think. And, like, I genuinely, the last, like, few months, like, I have genuinely been so excited to talk about the, these games with you like this has been really fun and i, I have been looking forward to it like when fallout came out i was like oh shit i wish I, when red dead came out and i didn't it didn't click with me i was like god i need a place to put these feelings <laughs> maybe we should so start been... doing this every week again um <laughs> thank you for listening <laughs> i and j- to, to piggyback on what griffin said the only reason we continue to do this is because y'all continue to add not the only reason we probably talk to each other independently <laughs> but the main reason that we continue to do this is because y'all continue to ask for it so if you have Against all odds, stuck with this show for this long. Thank you. Sincerely, thank you for giving us an excuse to, to do this. Because it is uh, hugely fun for all of us. Well, at least for me. Anyway, and be sure to and Justin, again. I know that Chris and Russ don't seem to be chiming in about how fun and good it's it fun. is. I'm Super fun. I guess it's a full-time job for me and Justin. It's be a sure exciting role. Be sure to join us again role. next year I love for it. the besties. I love my friends. Because <laughs> shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Bessie! Bessie!